Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Coming to Bard's Logic, Political Talk, part of the conservative grassroots conversation. And, well, it is here. Uh, Nancy Pelosi finally sent over the articles of impeachment. Uh, she didn't quite get what she wanted, but we will see how things develop. Now is the time, and that's why I played the song. One of the reasons I played it longer is because we have standing shoulder to shoulder with the Republicans really need to do now uh, in order to fend this off. You can't have any weaklings uh, such as the ones that I have on the list here on the show. And that includes Senator Collins, Romney, Alexander Murkowski, Cory Gardner, Senator Burr, Senator uh, McSally. These are folks you have to get a hold of if they are in your state and tell them to not by supporting the president they are supporting their constituency and supporting the United States of America. We cannot let this hold. Uh, we can't let this uh, get forward. Now, the chances of getting, 
you know, 67 votes to remove Trump. Fine. I, I seen the article. I, I might I might be able to get to other senators. I wish they just dismissed it, but it sounds like they don't have the votes to do that. And I got mixed thoughts on it. I mean, I know why. I mean, I want to dismiss it because I'm it's, it's BS. And who knows what the Democrats will try to fabricate, such as this new thing um, supposedly going out by one of someone who knows Giuliani. And we'll we'll see more things as that develops. But I find how they just you know the Democrats. Here's why they can't be trusted. They, they don't like things to be seen in the light of day. So if they had all this, all these things, uh, you know, because I got this article, and we'll, um, we'll, you know, I'll get to it probably. Is if they supposedly on the eve of the vote, right? And they got this, you know, these handwritten notes, you know, about uh, this guy, what's his name, Lev Parnas, and well, you know, the, the eve before the vote, they drop these things. I mean, why? Why now? Why right before the vote? Why and, they, and is this why she was uh, here? Here's the thing that needs to be investigated on this. These uh, oh, she's hand handwritten notes. Now remember about handwritten notes, folks. This is this is something straight from the Democrat. Now I don't know. This is my speculation right now. This could be from straight from the Democrat and liberal playbook. Remember, remember this. We, they need to investigate the validity of these so-called notes by Parnas, right? Because here's the thing. He, he, here, here's what we have. They're dropped the eve of the vote. There hasn't been much time to have it investigated to find if these are even authentic words. Uh, the, if this, these notes and everything are authentic and not fabrications, as the Democrats and liberals are known to do. Remember, and this is what I mean by the playbook. Remember Kavanaugh. Remember Kavanaugh. What they did. Remember that the, supposedly those uh, signatures and things of that nature in that book, and what was it, a, a, a yearbook that they found out? Hmm, these were kind of done after the fact to try to nail uh, Kavanaugh. Maybe Pelosi, all along, was holding uh, holding on. To these articles of impeachment, so that they could try to fabricate something like this, have, you know, have to be seen as suspicious. It's not all conspiracy theory. They're holding on to this, and I'm wondering if they're give them an opportunity to fabricate something. I've said this many times before on how these things can be fabricated, you know, and, and they're just waiting to try to fabricate evidence against Trump. And it does what surprised me. And so, you know, so here's this article. Um, you know, it's on, on you know, foxnews.com, and I just looked this up before the show. And, you know, I, we'll, we'll say it says, Dems, and I haven't had a chance to read all of it, but it says, a Dems drop impeachment file trove on eve of key vote, uh, handwritten notes, hmm, messages to Ukraine, and more. And it says, left part is a close associate of President Trump's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, has turned over a series of explosive handwritten notes. Text messages and other documents. You know, House investigators announced Tuesday as the chamber prepares for an imminent vote on article, uh, advancing articles of impeachment in the Senate. It says in a letter to House Judiciary Committee Gerald Nadler, House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff wrote Tuesday that he would transmit to Nadler two flash drives, one containing call records and sensitive personal information that would not be publicly released, and another with materials provided by Parnas. 
Among the records Pardoff produced were handwritten notes on stationery for the Ritz-Carlton Hotel, Vienna, Austria. Schiff wrote, including a note that read, get Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky to announce that Biden's case will be investigated, starting communicating with Zelensky without Pinskuch or Komolansky. An updated photograph of the notes was included in the do- an undated, an undated photograph of the note was included in the Democrats' documents. I'm telling you, they need to see if these things are even real. Uh, Viktor Pinskuch and Ihor Volensky are Ukrainian oligarchs, and Democrats have alleged that Parnar. Uh, Parnoff when Komolansky helped in facilitating a meeting between Julian and Zelensky. The note by itself does not provide a major revelation as Giovanni or Giovanni uh, Giuliani has long acknowledged heading to Ukraine to seek investigations of Democrat presidential contender Joe Biden. And here's the thing: here's the hypocrisy. I know I haven't, you know, been haven't been sounding very logical lately. I've been really up uptight, but here's the hypocrisy of this thing. Okay, they're talking about here's the hypocrisy, and, and this, and, and when Trump does get, uh, you know, acquitted so, uh, of this, here's what he needs to put in these commercials. I'm telling you, they need to hire me to put some make commercials for the for his campaign. Here you've got, right, them trying to get, and that, we say this all the time: Democrats are the masters of projections, the masters of projections. And what are they doing? They're trying to say Trump is going after Biden for the for campaigns, their personal reasons. It makes you wonder why they're making a big deal out of this. And I'm not saying it happened, but the projection is that this is what Hillary Clinton and them are doing. They're using this. Talk about cover-up. They're using this to cover up what Hillary Clinton and, and maybe even what the Obama administration were doing to try for Trump. So that's what I think they're trying to do. You know, it says the, um, you know, so I'm, I'm telling you, you got to watch the whole big picture. It says the Trump team has strenuously denied delaying military aid to Ukraine in order to obtain an investigation of, of Biden specifically. And that's the thing; they specifically were investigating Trump and his campaign. So here's the hypocrisy: if it's okay for you guys. To investigate the Trump campaign while he's running for office, what the hell's wrong with and you know with with, with Biden with the, you know, investigating the Bidens? Says uh, investigating Biden specifically, although they have argued that endemic corruption is generally considered a valid reason to withhold aid. Withhold aid, and Republicans and commentators quickly pointed out that Parnas has his own credibility issues. Uh, specifically, Parnas and his business partner, Igor Fruman, both U.S. citizens who emigrated from the former Soviet bloc, have been indicted by federal prosecutors on charges of conspiracy, making false statements, and falsification of records related to allegations made outside campaign donations to Republican causes after, <clears throat> after receiving millions of dollars originating from Russia. Additionally, Parnoff's attorneys had stated last year that he would be willing to testify as a part of the Democrats' impeachment inquiry amid reports of a possible immunity deal to secure his appearance. Those discussions led Republicans to question whether Parnoff simply was seeking to avoid jail time through his testimony. Let me tell you, folks, this – you thought the House inquiry was going to get nasty? 
this is going to get downright dirty. And let me tell you something. We, on the side of Trump, need to get just as down as dirty as these Democrats. I'm telling you what, we need to let people know, well, you know what, we're going to – you know, you guys try to remove our president. We're taking it to the streets. Maybe it's our time to go into streets and mass. Not saying we're going to be violent, but I'm saying maybe it's time for the 63 million Americans who support Trump. I, I would take a personal day to go do that. But anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. It says, however, also included in the documents were a series of materials that raised further questions about the Trump administration's actions in Ukraine. Text messages, for example, seemingly showed Parnoff Association associates tracking the movements of Marie Yovanovitch, the former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, who was called in May in 2019. It said, um, Democrats have said Yovanovitch stood in the way of the administration's plan to secure a criminal probe into Biden. Trump has raised concerns over Biden's videotapes, both of having a Ukraine's top prosecutor fired, as well as Biden's lucrative role is the Ukrainian company board, which his father was directing Ukraine policy as vice president. John has since acknowledged his role in Bonovich ouster, calling her corrupt. And in his infamous July call with Zelensky, Trump remarked she's going to go through some things, referring to Yovanovitch. Uh, part of communicated with uh, prominent Trump donor Robert F. Hyde in March 2019 about the diplomat. The Democrats said with Hyde, Writing that he can't believe Trump hasn't fired this bitch. I'll get it. I'll get right uh, in that. Uh, I guess you can do anything in the Ukraine with money, high tech. And after apparently establishing that Yovanovitch was under some sort of surveillance, she's talked to three people. Her phone is off. Computer is off. Hyde wrote in, on March 25th, 2019. It wasn't clear on how uh, he would know that her computer was not on. But here's the you know here's the thing, folks. If this person works for the government, if she works for the government, remember, she works at the pleasure of the president, any diplomat, anyone in her position does, anyone. And if he wants to fire her, there's no corruption in him firing her. And really, you want to talk about monitoring? Let me tell you something. Well, how did they know their computer was on? How did they know their computer was off? How much you want to make a bet that that computer being on and off was government property? Let me tell you something. When I clock into work, they know when my computer is on. They know where I'm then. They know where I'm sitting at my desk. When I'm at work, they know where I'm at all the time. So what's the big deal if because she's a diplomat, they know where she is all the time, or whether they know, oh, my God, her phone is off. Her computer is off. She's a government employee. She's a diplomat. You don't think they monitor that stuff? I mean, uh, really? I mean, if that's what they're going to make a big deal about, well, we'll see. She's next to the embassy, not in the embassy. Private security been there since Thursday. As Yovanovitch testified during Democrats' impeachment inquiry, I wrote in a Twitter uh, that she was a traitor, scumbag, and you post, whatever that is. Oh, Yugoslavian POS, okay. <sighs> anyway. And in May, in a May letter sent directly to Zelensky, Giuliani requested a meeting with Ukraine's president and explicitly stated that Trump was aware of the arrangement, even though Giuliani had no official government post at the time. A key portion of Democrats' impeachment argument has been that Trump associates uh, had an imprimatur uh, to pursue political investments in, uh, investigations in Ukraine. Think about it. Here's what I'd say. Look, 
I'm bringing in someone I can actually trust. We've shown we can't trust the FBI. Look at the Horowitz report. We know we can't trust the DOJ. I got to take somebody to do this work on somebody I can trust. I'm telling you, folks, here's, here's the mix of it. I mean, we have all this corruption, and then and, and Trump is trying to expose this corruption, and then you have, um, then you have people like the Democrats, and, and that's what it is. But you do have a lot of people like this person I was going back and forth with on Twitter who actually believe all this stuff. And without actually thinking, and they're all emotion. I mean, I know I'm sounding pretty emotional because I'm pretty worked up about this, but at least I'm putting reason in with it. I'm showing, look, I mean, take a look at this, take a look at that. So back to the article, it says, however, I have more specific requests, Joanne wrote, after congratulating Zelensky on his recent election and my capacity as personal counsel to President Trump with his knowledge and consent, I request a meeting with you on this upcoming May, Monday, May 13th. Or Tuesday, May 14th. Okay, so far I'm not seeing anything. Giuliani added, I, I will need no more than half an hour of your time. Now I'll be accompanied by my colleague, Victoria Tungson, a distinguished American attorney who is very familiar with this matter. Okay. Schiff further noted that according to the documents on October 2nd, 2019, Trump attorney Jay Sekulow, who's, at, who's going to be one of his defenders, uh, told former Trump attorney John Dowd that he discussed the issue of representation with Trump and the Democrats said Trump responded that he consents to allowing a representative of Mr. Parnas and Mr. Furman. But speaking to reporters on October 10th, Trump responded, I don't know those gentlemen uh, when they asked about Par- – oh, oh, my God. He was speaking – okay. He was speaking to reporters. Speaking to reporters said, I don't know those gentlemen when they asked about Parnas and Fur- Furman. He was speaking – okay, was he in front of Congress? No. He was in front of reporters. See more hypocrisy from the left. So you got Adam Schiff. You have Adam Schiff out there who who lies right there on the floor of Congress, and then you want to try say, well, Trump lied to these reporters. Are you freaking kidding me? Anyway, you're gonna make a big deal of that. This is why this is why if you're gonna call witnesses, then Adam Schiff needs to come to the stand. It says, now it's possible I have a picture of them because I have a picture with everybody. I have a picture with everybody here, Trump explained. It says, um, it says Joseph Bondi, the lawyer for Pontus, tweeted Monday that they had worked through the night and provided data from two of his client's smartphones in the House Intelligence Committee. The Democrats-led subpoena – the Democrat-led committee subpoenaed Pontus for documents on October 10th, the day after news broke that he and Fruman had been arrested by federal authority, authorities – while trying to board a one-way flight to Europe, Mr. Ponoroff remains to test um, remains committed to testifying as to all actions he took in Ukraine on behalf of Donald Trump. Brandy said. So, so the House uh, the, the House voted to impeach Trump in December. Schiff has pressed ahead with efforts to gather more information and documents uh, in advance of the president's upcoming trial in Senate, which I think is are, are, are they making these things? Are they actually fabricating? I mean, again, let's go back to Kavanaugh. It's what liberals do. They fabricated, you know, those things on that on that yearbook. So we know it's not we know it's not outside the realm of possibility. Schiff fabricated the contents of the, uh, you know, 
excuse me, I was thinking of drinking coffee, man. <laughs> fabricated the contents of the, the transcripts of the call on the floor of Congress. And why did he do it on the floor of Congress? Because you know what the you know what the thing is, and a lot of folks probably here know or maybe even don't know that they can lie their asses off and say anything on the floor of a house and get away with it. Get away with it. Immunity. They've got immunity to anything they say on the house floor. <laughs> anyway, it says uh, Ponos was deeply involved in efforts by Giuliani to press Ukraine's leader to open investigation into Biden and his, uh, you know, here's the thing. And, and here's one thing I wish they talked more about. They do know that Hillary, I mean, that Bill Clinton signed a treaty with Ukraine about addressing corruption. That no one's, I, I never hear anybody talking about that. And here's the thing is, who cares that the guy is running? This is corruption. This is a, this is a country that they want our, our aid, our military aid, one that, of course, Obama didn't give. You know, so he, he's running for president. So should we wait to after election to, uh, to address corruption? Trump terrorizing, okay, with, uh, says part of this with people and blah, blah, blah. Trump temporarily withholding uh, of U.S. military aid to the war-torn country at the heart of the two impeachment articles approved by the House without any Republican votes. And I'm telling you that that should be without any Senate votes in this debacle. You know, while Parnas and Fruman are, were working with Giuliani, okay, in a minute, uh, the push for investigations of the Bidens, the two Florida-based businessmen were also leveraging political connections to Trump and other prominent Republicans to presume, uh, pursue a lucrative gas deal. That has nothing to do with it. Let's see. Trump is something else. Oh, okay. So Bondi tweets the Monday include photos of Parnas posing with Trump. Both men smiling and giving thumbs up. Okay, okay, let's, okay, photo, fine. But here's the thing. How many photos if you're somebody like Donald Trump that you've taken with somebody, and someone says, oh, yeah, this is so-and-so, and later on you're like, oh, oh, okay. I mean, seriously, has anyone here in this audience taken a picture or, or, or even knew somebody in high school or school, and they come up to you some years later, some time later, like, hey, Robert, how you doing? And this has happened to me a lot. Hey, Robert, how you doing? I'm like, I'm thinking – Shit, I don't know who this is. They obviously know my name. They obviously know me. I don't know. Who, I mean, I know I should know them. The face looks kind of familiar, but the name, like, I don't know. I can't remember this guy or gal. You know, and so that still happens. But anyway, so uh, you know, it says the documents draw. Uh, the documents drop at the House is set to vote Wednesday. So said, hmm, the timing of it's interesting. You know, and then that, that's pretty much the end of that uh, that article. And uh, so I do see callers in. If you'd like to chime in, of course, push the one on your number dial. Uh, we'll get you into the show. And that wasn't uh, one of the articles I was planning on, uh, you know, going over tonight. But, you know, I, I found that. And so I thought, well, i go ahead and bring it on because people are starting to talk about this, this part of us and this uh, – I'm sorry, I was reading something. Uh, the, you know, and, the, and these, these documents and tweets and stuff, which you know, we'll we'll see if they all come out. But here's the thing. Think of it this way: they're dropping these things, right? Because they want um, Schumer to demand that these things get released if they haven't been released or whatever. Trying to put pre- because remember, the Republicans said, "Look, you know." We're, we're, we're probably not going to, you know, put any more evidence or something. 
They're trying to force the Republicans' hand is what they're trying to do. They're trying to force their hand by saying, oh, well, we got this evidence. We got this. You need to let us present it. And, and there was another article I was going to where they're saying, well, there's probably not um, you know, enough votes to – okay, and I got a Skype, a Skype caller, and we'll, 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 we'll get you in. I don't know if it's John or for, if it's one of our other Skype call, you know, callers or somebody else. Uh, now let's go ahead and bring him in, and then I'll get back to my diatribe. There's plenty of time. I've been talking for almost 20 minutes here. <laughs> so Skype caller, um, yeah, I, I got Bob, you in the show. This is Joe. Oh, ha- oh, hey, Joe. How's it going? Good, good to hear right. from you. Yeah, you haven't been around for a while, or have you? Have I just been missing you? Oh, well, I, you know, I did have to take a hiatus. Um, oh, you know, okay. I, There's <laughs> some family medical issues going on I had to ah. attend to. Uh, but, yeah, so I spent a lot of last year, you know, that I wasn't on. Um, but, you know, I'm just starting to get back back in, in things. So, yeah, you did miss some, but then there was a lot of the time I was gone. But it's good, it's good to hear from you again. Yeah, I'm glad you're back. I hope everything works out for you and your family. It's getting it's getting better. Thank you. There you go. Good. I wanted to ask you a question because I'm usually up on the impeachment thing. But was it just a few days ago that either Pelosi hinted or stated outright that she had some kind of witness, a mystery witness, that she could present at the trial that supposedly would blow the trial out of the water? Mm, I've been watching this almost every day, and I haven't heard anything. Now, of course, you know, she might be just saying that. I haven't heard anything about that. I I haven't, about the surprise witness. All right. I, I haven't heard anything. I'm not saying she didn't say it. It's just mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I watch this every day, so I'm kind of surprised that I didn't hear it. All right, if you watch it every day, well, so do I. But I heard it, and I haven't, haven't had any confirmation of it. So, um, you know, well, you never know with, with the libs. But this whole thing is a political sham. Number one, the, the Democrats know that they're, you know, up the, up the creek without a paddle. And they're going ahead with these impeachment articles, which on their face, are about the stupidest thing you could ever look at to impeach a president. Number one, the abuse of power um, based on the Ukraine, Ukrainian call. They don't have any witnesses for that. It's easy for the Republicans to just pull up witnesses from the, uh, from the impeachment trial, I mean from the impeachment hearing, and say, none of your witnesses were there. None of your witnesses can confirm that it was a quid pro quo. And they just have to go, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, you know, so, for, and then the obstruction of, what is obstruction of Congress? That's something brand yeah. new. <laughs> That's never, ever been tried before. So for, for them to go ahead with this is, is just, it's just stupid on their part. Or maybe we, the public, are missing something here. Um, I don't like the fact that Graham and McConnell say, well, if they go to trial, right, if they bring in the articles, which they have, if, um, then it's dead on arrival. Because that shows partisanship. That shows prejudice. Um, well, and that's, that's why the, they think – that's why they don't have – I mean, I haven't read any articles or anything. But I, I, I'm thinking that's why they have – they don't have the votes to just dismiss it. Um, yeah, maybe not. Because I read that there may be 19 Republicans who are not a confirmed no. So we might have 19 Republicans who will say – Oh, uh, you know, let's let's convict, or I need more convincing, and then they probably want uh, to extort some kind of political favors from the um, you know from the Republican Party. 
But um, in any case, I hope that the trial, I, I want a trial myself. I want everything on the record. I want Schiff and Nadler and, um, and Trump and everybody else involved to show the American people what a farce really looks like. And then after that, hopefully Trump will, um, you know, will go on to be reelected. Have you heard about the possible assassination um, thoughts done, no. by, ber, done by Bernie Sanders' um, organizer? Okay, no. J- James O'Keefe, you know him. He's from the Project Veritas. Yeah. So he went undercover right. and found. And in Iowa, there's an organizer for Bernie who was talking about how um, cities should burn if, if, if Trump is reelected and all kinds of stupid crap. Um, and they played a clip on the Hannity show, but Ver- but um, uh, O'Keefe said that this guy, um, because of O'Keefe's other, other sources, said that he there might be an assassination attempt on Trump by either this guy, who's the organizer for Bernie Sanders in Iowa, or by people who are associated with him. So um, O'Keefe had to notify the Secret Service. So here we go with another talk of an assassination um alex jones talked about it about three weeks ago but with a guy like trump in office it's not surprising well yeah i mean i'm surprised we haven't heard more i'm surprised we haven't heard more <laughs> than we have to, you know than we have about that um and yeah. you know actually you know i also find this interesting now i mean it might just be total coincidence and 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 because they've been talking about it for a while um that, that we're going to go ahead and do it. But I do find it kind of interesting, and I'm saying I'm not really saying there's a link, and I doubt there is, but it, it is kind of just interesting to say, is that I watched the Democrat debate last night. Uh, I had did you to. get any more bored? I didn't watch it, though, but I just know you had to be bored. <laughs> well, I, I had to make some audio just because I played some for tonight's show. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, and, and you can hear me, you can hear me commentating uh, in the background. Um <laughs> probably with huh. some of it. Uh, so I made some audio if we get the chance to play those tonight. Okay. I mean, again, you know, trying to watch that. And, and here's, I find it interesting, the timing, and to that we'll get you in and uh, uh, you too, Kelly, is that it just, th- these articles of impeachment just happened to fall over the day after that debate. Because <laughs> hmm. it's mm-hmm. like, hmm, they know they can't beat, they, they know they can't beat Trump. They think they're, they think that they're, they have a much easier time with Pence. You know, and, yeah, and that's, so yeah. mm-hmm. that, that, that's why they know they can't. They're looking at the candidates. Oh, Joe Biden is their top candidate, but he's, he's going to bumble. I'm telling you, when, that, when, the, when he's nominated, and, and oh. he, here's why last week we covered predictions of 2020. My uh. prediction for the campaign is I think it's going to be a Biden-Harris, Kamala Harris ticket. Oh, really? Oh, okay. That's what I think. I, I think it's going to be a Biden-Kamala right. Harris ticket. Okay. All right. Hmm. Well, she foot, well, you know, and she puts the bill. She's female. She's a yeah. she's female. She's a minority, and he's an old white guy, right? So they can't go saying, you know, they can say, oh, look at this diverse ticket that we have, yeah, you know? know. And she's younger, so she she puts all the bills, you know. Yeah, uh, she does to do the political correctness, but she she faulted so badly after her first really good performance on the stage that she's practically a non-entity. Well, but political memory is the shortest memory there is, um, mm-hmm. and so that the, you know people kind of will kind of forget about that. And you know, I, I, and she's still tweeting like she's she's still <laughs> tweeting like she's running. 
<laughs> well, but, yeah, well, maybe, I, you know, maybe I follow some. all these people, you know, and, and, and try yeah. to keep an eye on them. Go ahead. The people that I've talked to, and I'm still thinking that Hillary can come in, and who knows, if Michelle Obama pops up at the last moment, you can blow every Democrat out of the water. Because it doesn't matter if it's two weeks before November. If she pops up with, her, with the name of Obama behind her, she would look like the savior to a lot of, um, to a lot of liberals and Democrats. Are you making a are you making a sandwich? <laughs> no, I wish I'm oh. hungry. No, uh, no, I'm. Oh, I'm ball teach. Well, when I'm on the show, because I'm the I'm the host, producer, and, uh, oh, other okay. <laughs> so I'm uh, multitasking while while, yeah, while I'm on I the had, show. I had um, my show on last night, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Hey, well, yeah. So you know, well, you know what? Why don't you give a little plug for your show? Go ahead. What plug your show? Well, it was, a, it was a show that's um, infrequently um, coming on because I was actually the co-host of a show that um, I go to on Saturdays, and it's a conservative show. You would enjoy it if you ever have the time on Saturdays. So I'll plug this person's show. The name of the show is, is the Donnie C, D-O-N-N-Y, and his last name starts with a capital C. So it's Donnie space C, and the name of the show, it has mainstream media in it. And it comes on Saturdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, but I had requested from him if I could co-host um, on the show for the far yesterday, and he said, "Yeah." And I was talking about the destruction of America from within, the you know, how our culture, how the legislators are so corrupt, and um, functional illiteracy, the effects of immigration, etc. So, um, you know, I, I had to get that off my chest, and he was nice enough to let me do it. But it's not a regular show that I do. It's just a show that he does once a week. So uh, it's good to have you back, though, because I like talking about politics in a way that other people can come in. You have a caller on the line who wants to come in, so I don't mind if you bring him in. Uh, Kelly, huh? Well, first we got Suzette and Kelly, so let's go ahead and bring him in. Uh, we'll bring in Suzette first because I bring him in as they call, or at least punch in the number to come in. And thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? He or she is Thanks, fine. Kelly. Suzette. I'm sorry, Suzette. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I'm, working, I'm working on like four hours sleep of that, so bear with me. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> the, oh, the, that's the coffee I was sipping on earlier. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, you made your predictions for the 2020. <laughs> I agree with the Kamala Harris and the, and the Biden. They're so really think, yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. So and you think they're going to be a pair? Well, uh, he needs. Yeah, I do. He well, he needs somebody to help him with the debate. Unfortunately, Kamala won't be with him when he debates Trump. So mm-hmm. when he debates Trump, Trump will, all Trump has to do is stay quiet, and um, Biden will just fumble and stumble over his own words. <laughs> sure, but see, Kamala will be his attack dog in the media. You know, social media, news yeah. media. Mm-hmm. So that's what he's got going there. Um, and Donnie C., great show. I, I joined the show. I'm a frequent person. Oh, cool. Uh, joined in the conversation, yes. Yeah. Enjoy the show a lot. Yeah, you have a show on Stitcher, right? I do. Yeah, because I remember <laughs> you, too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll hang back here and, um, and go ahead and continue your conversation. Um, I'm kind of in the midst of something. I was supposed to be listening. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, thank you. 
All right, Donnie. I mean, not Donnie, but, but Bob, if you're busy, I'll um, I'll do a little co-hosting for you if you want, and then you can just relax. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh back. no, relax. I, I don't know what that I don't know what that word means. Uh, there's. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, no, no. Let, let me bring up the. I mean, I, I mean, I've heard some of it. Of course, it, it's uh, the, this Parnoff uh, thing I read earlier. You know, I mean, if, if we'll see what what they're coming through. I mean, I think that I'm not hearing a lot of it. But the only way you could get a lot of uh, seriously, and this is what I hate about Google. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. Is that I mean, Google is so biased. It's un, it's unbelievable. I mean, if you if you're a liberal, you have a treasure trove of articles and stuff like that for your echo chamber. But let me tell you something. If you're a conservative looking on Google to try to find something that, like, you know, Breitbart or Fox News or something like that, or any conservative outlets that have to say on, uh, you know, on any issue, it's, uh-huh. like, it's like rifling through a, mag- a, you know, a magazine rack at a doctor's office. I mean, good luck. Well, I can give you a hint on that. If you go to um, InfoWars, Oh, Prison Planet, Alex Jones' site. He has a nice uh, conglomerate. He's, you know, he's an amalgamation of conservative and uh, not liberals, but people who give the other side, you know. So he's not exactly uh, 100% pure Trump. There are people who will talk about the economy is not as good as Trump says it is, and you can go there and get a smattering. You will get Breitbart, some Fox News, but you'll get information, um, informational liberation, Zero Hedge um, and some other um, and some other um, websites that um, you know that aren't 100% pro-Trump, which is what I like about Jones's show. Um, you know, he um, he's 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 more globalist than anybody else. And what I don't like about the conservatives is that, for example, Rush Limbaugh has admitted that the globalists are trying to take over America, but nobody calls him a conspiracy theorist. Hannity admits that he's more libertarian now than ever was, and that this is an information type of warfare. But nobody calls him a conspiracy theorist. You know, but they all call Alex Jones a conspiracy theorist. And sometimes Alex does put his foot in his mouth. But overall, I think he's on target when he's talking about um, how central bankers are really trying to take over America, and they're the ones that control the world. And it's obvious to me that they are. When you, if you know the history of the Fed and how it operates, and that the central banks in about 95% of the countries in the Western industrialized uh, world uh, are run the same way, then when you connect the dots, it all points back to Rothschilds, Rockefellers, Warburgs, etc. So, um, you know, even though I like to put his foot in his mouth, overall he doesn't know what he's talking about. And with and with you know with the thing, uh, I want to see if you heard. I mean, if have you gotten much information about this? I mean, it's, I mean, I just got the little snippets of it. I don't know what it all entails. I mean, if they if they're actually going to produce it during the the trial, or if they're going to you know try to use this so-called evidence. And I say so-called evidence because you know this evidence that's respective to the trial being. Uh, and if this is supposed to be a trial, and I'm no lawyer, Kelly might be when I bring him on might be able to help out with this. But if they bring this new evidence, don't they have to bring this evidence to the the defense before they even bring it into the trial? I mean, I said, I'm not a, a trial lawyer. I wish I would have went to law school, but I didn't. Um, but I mean, just the timing of them dropping this this trove of 
uh, of information and supposedly this well, surprise yeah. witness. It makes a lot of things seem fabricated to me. Well, that's what I was asking you about. If they had the surprise witness, Pelosi was talking about um, a witness that was supposed to, you know, blow everything open. So this evidence that you're talking about may be just that, this mystery evidence. Yeah. Um, now, in an ordinary trial, the both, uh, well, not the prosecution is supposed to present exculpatory evidence to um, to the defendant's lawyer. That's his obligation. Well, here, and here, real quick, uh, sorry for interrupting, but here, mm-hmm. here's a tweet here, and this is what I was talking about. It says, and, and I said this earlier, I said this, this earlier tonight for people who are there. It says, um, oh, it says, as they did with Russia collusion hoax, as they do with Kavanaugh, as they always do against their political opponents. Journalist, and it's uh, Chuck Ross, I don't know who this guy is, but uh-huh. says, journalists are going to take a short break from worrying about publishing disinformation in order to regurgitate the unverified allegations of Lev Parnoff. Um, go ahead, uh, Joe, and then uh, we'll, uh, Suzette, I want you to chime in on that, and then I do want to bring in Kelly. Go ahead, Joe. All right. Now, just for the show, in an ordinary trial, yeah, the, the, um, the DA is supposed to provide exculpatory evidence and everything in, during discovery to the, defen- to the defendant. And if they, the uh, prosecution, want um, documents and evidence from the defense, they have to subpoena them. So I don't know what's going to go on in this particular trial because it's done in the, you know, by, under the aegis of, um, of Congress, so who knows. So I'll just, if Kelly's a lawyer, I'll wait until I hear his opinion. And so, what, Suzette, what, I mean, what do you got? I mean, have you heard anything or some things that Joe were referring to as well? Or, Well, I, from what I understand, okay, so we're talking about not your typical trial because it's an impeachment trial. It's, they don't operate under the same rules as a court of law trial does. And so, no, they do not have to give, as far as talking about discovery and revealing it to your um, opponent, I guess you want to say that, um, they're not under that obligation. Um, so those rules don't exist. In fact, the rules are very vague um, when it comes to um, proposing any type of in, uh, new information or anything else. It's just kind of added into the record, um, you know, and it can be brought up or discarded, and that's where the, um, the managers come in. They determine whether or not they want to bring it up, if it's worthy um, or not, um, bring it up during that trial, quote-unquote. <laughs> Um, and that's pretty much all I have to offer about that. And let's go ahead and bring Kelly in, and let's open up uh, his mic. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm actually rather excited. I um, heard that a third-party candidate was running for State House Assembly here in California. So I went to see him. His name is Paul Danuka. He was born and raised in India and uh, moved over here with $100. Amazing guy. Yeah. Looks like the Tea Party is pretty much endorsing him. So, but of course, may I help you? And uh, so my friend and I were joking around. He's uh, going to be a 7-Eleven assemblyman. And so that's just really exciting that the guy talked to him. But uh, also, you know, I kind of like to joke around a little bit. So I figured out, uh, well, I've been learning some things from uh, the military phonetic alphabet, which is Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, uh, <coughs> Kilo, Mike, Sierra, Whiskey, Zulu. 
And you can use this in a sentence to impress your friends. For example, you know, initials C-K-E. You can say Clinton keloed Epstein. <laughs> anyway, okay. Kilo is a... <laughs> Sorry. I guess dry humor there, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's Sorry. Right. See, I, this is how I deal with the political world. I have to crack a joke here and there, you know. 7-Eleven uh, Assemblyman? May I help you? Okay, anyway. All right, so let's go into impeachment. And my understanding, which I studied law quite a bit, and it's not just the case law or the statutes, it's also procedure. Because if a prosecutor messes up on procedure or even a police officer messes up on procedure, like if they don't read you your Miranda rights, anything you say after you're arrested cannot be used. So a certain thing about procedure. So, of course, it's very much, um, as I mentioned before, <clears throat> the House of Representatives uh, is like a grand jury issuing an indictment. And I've seen several congressmen mention things about grand jury. And then it's tried by the Senate, trial by jury. Like street crime, murder, grand jury indictment, trial by jury, you go to jail for life. If you really did the deed and they could prove it, okay, fine. So, the and I did read the um, articles of impeachment on a previous show, and I noted there was no federal statutes whatsoever cited. The grand jury indictment, you have citations right and left and left and right of this crime, this crime violated this statute, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. None of that. Not even in there. We heard that out loud. On the, you can look it up online. Okay, so now they finally got it over to the to the Senate. I heard in the, you know, the top of the hour news report today. <clears throat> and then you have in a normal trial by jury, you, and it does say in the Constitution, the Senate has full, full power of the trial. Okay. It doesn't say in the Constitution, has full power of trial and shall use the federal rules of criminal procedure. Uh, the Senate has full power of trial and shall use federal rules of evidence. It doesn't say that. It just says has full power of trial. Um, but the Senate, and if they were wise, they would do this, they can up the standard of truth to pass in the Senate, we shall conduct the trial pursuant to federal rules of criminal procedure. We shall conduct the trial pursuant to federal rules of evidence. Hmm. Now, if they did that, if they did that, the level, uh, the, the, the level of care, the level of evidence it just went through the ceiling. And then you'd have uh, John Roberts as Chief Justice presiding. He would have to, you know, there's an objection. He would have to rule on the objection. Objection, inadmissible evidence. And then Roberts would have to make the decision. Uh, objection sustained, that evidence shall not be heard. Um, but yet there is no appeal, so senators can accept the evidence or reject the evidence. It's kind of unique, kind of a trial. So, yeah, if they did that. But then there's another interesting thing. Well, you got exculpatory evidence. You have what level of uh, care does the grand jury have to produce or the, the House in impeachment? 
Um, can they bring in evidence later? Well, let's answer some of these questions. Most states in their grand jury statutes, which I've studied many states, um, require that the ev if you're going to indict, you have to have evidence that will sustain itself all the way through uh, a court trial, pedigree of 12. Okay, so you have to have – that's a level of care that grand juries have to have in order to issue an indictment. Now, of course, a grand jury can issue an indictment in any state, and there's no consequence if there's not enough evidence. You, you just can't. The only thing you can get a grand jury for is lying or being bribed. That's about, about the only thing you can – the grand jury can do whatever they want. So the House does whatever it wants. We didn't have – their standard of care with evidence was obviously very lacking, very very poor. So just getting it done, you know, maybe they had uh, cold feet, you know, like – if a guy gets too excited about a woman, asks her to marry her too soon, then he gets cold feet. Maybe that's what's been going on in the house. Exculpatory evidence. Okay. Under the federal rules of criminal procedure, you have and states too, you have to provide as a prosecutor. As a prosecutor, you have to provide exculpatory evidence that may acquit the accused. And a lot of times when the uh, district attorney or a prosecutor under the district attorney or federal prosecutor, AUSA, attorney for the United States of America. And ASU, a, AUSA is looking at the standards of exculpatory evidence. He could be like, you know what? We got to dismiss his case because the exculpatory evidence, uh, he wasn't there at the crime scene. You know, so, then, so you go through all this exculpatory evidence. And however, who's in control? Well, obviously the Republicans. So they can pass the standards of federal rules of criminal procedure, federal uh, rules of evidence, and exculpatory. So they can require, since they're in control of the Republicans, <clears throat> uh, the Democrats shall provide every, any, and all evidence of, of, of an, an exculpatory nature. And if the Democrats comply or not, what are you going to do? Who do you appeal it to? You can't. So it's a very unique situation. Um I did hear on the radio today, or read it somewhere. I think, it, yeah, I read it, Yahoo News, that um, the Senate is not going to entertain a motion to dismiss. Like, whoa, that's interesting. Right, I heard about that. Well, yeah, because yeah. yeah, so, I, I think that what they're concerned about is that they're not going to do it because they're concerned that they're going to be seen as being, you know, t too partisan and you know just a shill for and they, uh, uh, for Trump. And it's going to. This is my speculation. And that they don't want to make it look like that, that they're being, you know, hyperpartisan, and they think somehow they think it's going to hurt them in the election. But. Right. Well, it's interesting that they file their own motion to dismiss. They're the ones who vote on it, not a judge. So that's a unique – that would create a lot of political and controversy and division. So, But if they run it through its course, then great. Now, the, um, your normal prosecution of a street crime, you have a prosecutor that gets the grand jury indictment. From the grand jury, then he prosecutes it in trial. Why? Because he's very familiar with the entire case. So the House, um, being the prosecutor, if you will, or at least um, having some influence on their friends in the Senate, they can do all sorts of things. And in a normal street crime, between a grand jury indictment and the actual trial, the prosecutor can indeed – again, this is like your county level, city level – your prosecutor can gather a lot more evidence between grand jury indictment and the trial. So the Democrats can gather more evidence. Of course, then that could be a motion to dismiss 
on the Republican side, we're not going to allow this evidence just because we don't want to. Where do they appeal? Well, maybe John Roberts might make a decision there. So, yes, they can gather a lot more evidence between uh, impeachment and trial. They can also produce exculpatory evidence. Are they going to produce as much exculpatory evidence as they will real evidence? I mean, you know, you're scratching your head. And so then, of course, uh, Trump and his legal counsel, Juliana et al., they're going to be producing all sorts of witnesses on behalf of Trump. The witnesses that were not allowed in the impeachment, because the Republicans are screaming, you're not allowing minority witnesses. They can be brought in as well. So what all the purpose of the grand jury, or in this case, House of Representatives, the largest grand jury in the land, all that has to happen is they have to have enough evidence for an indictment or an impeachment, and then they can gather more and find exculpatory between here and there. So it's going to be a fascinating thing to watch, and if the Republicans, well, they're leaning on not dismissing the case, they would get as much exculpatory in and let the Democrats um, just, just show how, how much folly there is. Um, or maybe, you know, just being fair here, maybe the Democrats really do have some stunning smoking gun that they didn't bring before the House, and whole, all of America could be very shocked, and it could turn out that there's enough witnesses here that, yeah, it was a quid pro quo with conditions, with requirements, and the Ukraine complied, and that's uh, enough political pressure and other stuff that, that uh, some enough Republicans would turn and then it would be a disaster for the Republican Party because they could actually lose the House and the Senate and the president. So, you know, the Democrats aren't stupid. So unless they have some incredible smoking gun new evidence and multiple evidences, um, it's it's going to turn, you know, it's going to turn out really bad. I wonder, I, I wonder if they're um, – uh, again, I wonder if they're fabricating stuff is what I'm wondering. Well, you have all sorts of expert witnesses that can be brought. You know, since we haven't had a impeachment in quite a while or a trial, um, there well, could he, be he, this. This could go yeah. along. This could go on for days and days, and maybe even several weeks. Yeah, this is going to be. Tell you what, as I said last week, I am, I am concerned about um, about the Republicans. I mean, they do have a history. I mean, to. Pro- you know, up until now, I've been pretty uh, surprised by them, pleasantly surprised by them in their resolve and their support of Trump. Um, however, I mean, you know, especially under the quote unquote leadership of uh, Paul Ryan, they've been pretty much spineless. Uh, and so, you know, just letting the Democrats run roughshod. Now, I've been proud of the Republicans so far and uh, expect to see that much. Uh, in the Senate, and I tell you what, I mean, people need to be prepared to take a day off work and take, you know, if, if need be, and take it to the streets. I'm not saying, you know, take it to the streets violently. But I think we need to st- uh, stay in mass, um, you know, uh, well, well, to support our yeah. president because these guys are going to try by hook or by crook. They're going to try to remove this president. And I, I'll be honest, with the history of the Republicans, I, I don't trust them. I don't trust them to not do this. I really don't. Well, you have I to, mean, yeah, go ahead, to that. They're two different animals. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Robert. Uh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to actually get uh, you guys in before my next article. Go ahead. 
Well, I was just going to say the House and the Senate are two different animals as far as the Republicans go. So the senators, Republican senators, um, go along to get along, whereas the House, the, the people that are in there now, not when Paul Ryan was there, because, you know, we had lost, uh, what was it, 35 Republican seats, but the people that are in there now have that fight. They have that support for the president, and they believe in, you know, what he's doing, his agenda. Um, and, and that's most of it right there. But the Senate Republicans, they don't have to. <laughs> they don't have to believe in, you know, supporting the, the agenda of the president. Um, they just have to be there. And so hopefully they'll get off of their high and mighty and stand up for something. You know, if not the president, then for the country, because if they blow it, <laughs> they're giving everything to the Democrats. They're just basically conceding people who are on the fence, um, you know, as far as I don't know which way to go. I'm a progressive. I'm a, you know, liberal, whatever. And they'll say, yep, yeah, okay, well, I'll just go Democrat then because it seems like the Republicans aren't doing much, so Trump must be doing bad things <laughs> just to make it simple. Well, and they do need – I mean here's the thing, and then and bringing Joe. Uh, what the Republicans need to – I mean what they need to think about, the ones in the Senate, it's like, look, if he gets impeached, you, you know the Democrats, they're, they're going to say you – know, they're not going to – they're going to talk about the party. You know, I mean, you know, they're, they're going to be talking about the party. And my hope – I mean here's my hope about if this becomes a long, drawn-out trial. If I hope it's a long, drawn-out trial, we actually get the corruption – of our government exposed, not only for us who already know it's there. Okay, and let's be honest, mm-hmm. people know it's there. I don't know what the problem is, but you know, to get exposed because people just don't see it, and it's, it's it's unbelievable. But it's kind of, I mean, I mean, when you got so much against against them, I mean, these, remember these people who are support, you know, Pelosi and Nadler and Schiff. I mean, they get they get drowned, literally drowned. By this cacophony from 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 the the media. Now, of course, you know liberals like to live. A lot of liberals like to live in their own echo chambers. Um, but since they are talking about uh, having you know more witnesses, I got an interesting article I'm going to read a little bit. But first, uh, I want to see if John, if you got any other comments uh, before I before I move over to that that article. Joe. Hey Robert. Yes. Joe. Yeah, he's still on the call, but. Okay, maybe he's. Well, I want to interject something here about <clears throat> thinking. Why would the Senate say we are not going to dis- entertain a motion to dismiss? When you look at the Rodney King riots, you know the LA riots. Remember that years ago? The, oh yeah. The videotape. How can you forget? Everywhere, 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 and they acquitted the officers, which eventually they got convicted through. Um, all the way to the Supreme Court, but the people were just furious and upset. That's what I had a buddy that lived down there. He said, man, it was like a freaking war zone. And then you had Ferguson, Missouri. I'm talking about the political implications if you dismiss in the Senate. All right. So Ferguson, they learned from the LA riots. And so, you know, with, with that kid that was the, um, there, it was Hispanic who killed a black guy, long story, but, and other stuff and, and, and officers and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so Ferguson, Missouri, the grand jury took an awful lot of time, an awful lot of time 
I'm, I'm confusing my cases, but the officer. Okay, so they, they even the grand jury even interviewed the officer. They took they were a lot more careful, and they were expecting a riot in Ferguson, and there was and there was some buildings that were destroyed, but not as many as the LA riots. So if the Senate immediately dismisses the impeachment, there's going to be riots in the street all over the country, and it's going to get ugly. So I think it's wise politically for the Senate to run its full course to have a very long, thorough trial. It would be to, to the public's interest to quench any desire for um, for riots and and, and dis, uh, all sorts of disunity and breakup um, turbulence in our society. So I think that might be why uh, Mitch McConnell came out strongly against dismissing. Uh, outright motion to dismiss the case. Well, I mean, I just, I, I mean, I just don't trust that the Republican. <laughs> I just don't trust it. I mean, I, I hope just as much as I mean, my, I mean, there's a lot of people who are pretty like, oh, he's going to be arrested, he's going to be removed, and, and I, I mean, I mean, I'm not as confident as I used to be just by hearing all this stuff. I feel like the the Republicans are starting to waver. Uh, you know, well, and there's an article um, that uh, you know, gosh, I, I, I want to get to my other one, but there's one I also found that I want to go. And and, and that people who are regulars here know that I'm not a fan, and I never was a fan of Rand Paul, because you really don't know where to put the finger on this guy. And I'm not giving him the finger, uh, <laughs> but I just don't know. I mean, I, there, there's times I like him, and there's times I hate him. You know, so I really don't know what the, that makes me not like him. I, I like I would like to have someone like Newt Gingrich. Who, for the for the vast majority, it's not really fifty fifty that you know I can I could stand, but you know that I can rely on. I just don't feel like he can rely on on uh, you know on Rand Paul. But when he does stuff like this, it's just like ugh. I mean I'm glad for it, but it's just it's frustrating because I wish he'd be not to seem so wishy washy on stuff. But anyway, it says. Senator Rand Paul – now, this is a long article, so bear with me, but, I, I mean, we could do commentary in between it. And it's one I just found. I wasn't planning on it. It wasn't part of my stack of stuff. I shouldn't use that phrase because <laughs> we all know who uses that one. So it my, um, my, my, wasn't part of my show prep tonight. It's just an, an article I found uh, while surfing here. And it says, uh, Senator Rand Paul says, GOP uh, will shaft Trump, allow Democrat witnesses, and block his requests. Warren's colleague not to commit p- political suicide. Said in an interview that the Gateway pundit about the impeachment effort on Wednesday, Senator Rand Paul warned his colleagues who plan to let the Democrats choose witnesses that w- they will lose their reelections. Senator Paul, and, and, and if you go to Blog Talk Radio, I've got a list of senators here that, that if you're in their district or you're in their state, I should say, call them. And that's Collins, Romney, Alexander, Murkowski, Gardner, Burr, and McSally. If they're in your if they're in your state, call them. Um, so Senator Paul is okay. I read the part. Who has seemingly been leading the charge to defend the president uh, during this process also explained that he would vote for Republican Adam Schiff and Speaker Nancy Pelosi to have to testify, especially since Schiff has a member who is friends with the whistleblower, potentially making him a material witness. Additionally, Senator Paul stated that he wants the impeachment process to be over as soon as possible, but that if the Democrats are allowed to call witnesses, President Trump must be afforded the same right, you know, not like what they did in the House. Uh, when, if any other Republican had been supportive of Senator Paul's assertions, 
that he wants to call in the whistleblower and Hunter Biden to testify. He has said that there are a lot of people who do, but that they have been quiet. <sighs> anyway, uh, says there's a lot of people who are quiet, so I've been kind of I, I've been kind of loud. Senator Paul said, my goal in this is to be done with the impeachment as soon as possible, and probably the best way to do that is actually no witnesses. But if we're going to have witnesses, we should have witnesses from both sides. In our interview, Senator Paul warned that his Republican colleagues may be in trouble when they go up for re-election if they defy the president and allow Democrats to run amok like they did in the House. And let me tell you something, folks. We, I mean, if they do this, that the Republicans revert back to their spinelessness. I'm telling you, we have to get rid of them. We have to vote them out. We have to primary them out. We need to get rid of every single Republican. Okay, that 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 if they let this happen, and every single Republican, if they were to vote. Um, to convict, we need to make sure that they get a vote out, whether senator, as we talked about last week, or House of Representatives, House of Representatives, but senator. I know they, you know, have you know longer terms, and political memory is the shortest memory of all. I'm telling you, man, if people really want to get rid of this corruption and get rid of a spineless uh, Republican Party, it's going to have to happen. It's going to have to be done. But anyway, it says, well, I keep, well, I try, well, I keep trying to convince my colleagues particularly the ones that might vote to allow witnesses that the Democrats want to call, is that if they do, that they don't vote to allow the president to bring his witnesses in, I think the Republican base and Trump supporters are going to be very, very unhappy with them. I think it will have electoral consequences, which is sort of a way of saying that maybe they should reconsider having any witnesses at all, Senator Paul said. My hopes is some will reconsider and will just be done with one vote, which we know that's going to happen. It says Senator Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has said that each witness will have to be approved by a majority of 51 senators, something unlikely to work in Trump's favor. This had, uh, this had led to Senator Paul raising an alarm that only those who hate the president will obtain the necessary majority of votes. And remember, guys, okay, there are plenty of Republicans out there who were never Trumpers. That hate Trump. That hate Trump. Romney's one of them. That that hypocritical bastard because he didn't mind, you know, seeking out Trump's support for his election. Okay, that sob. I tell you what, I will say it. Romney is a piece of shit. I tell you what. But anyway, so Senator Paul explained that that if there does end up being a vote for each individual witness, which could potentially be dozens. He believes that the only ones who are antagonistic to the president will get through. This means that Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and the whistleblower may not pass a majority vote. He said that if this is how witnesses are decided, then the Senate will end up in a situation like the House did, with a lopsided witness list that would be mostly people hostile to the president. It says when asked if he had any other specific witnesses in mind, uh, that he was looking to hear, uh, besides Hunter Biden and the whistleblower, Senator Paul said that if they end up approving witnesses like Bolton, who, am I, who I think are harmful, I will insist on a motion, and let's hold him to it, uh, insist on a motion that says the president should get to call uh, all witnesses that he or his team deem to be necessary 
to his defense. I don't want to limit it. I'm not his lawyer. I don't want to tell him who he has to call. I'm just going to say anyone. Anyone includes people he has mentioned like Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, Senator Paul said. The Kentucky senator explained that evidence of Biden's corruption should be viewed as part of the process. The evidence should be presented for their corruption. I think the evidence is pretty damning. The mainstream media just passes over that and says, oh, well, it's already been decided there's no corruption, nothing to see here. But in reality, most Americans hear that some politician's son was being paid $50,000 a month, and they smell corruption from a mile away. I also think the whistleblower should come in and main – so it just kind of you know, goes on um, you know, with that. But <clears throat> I mean it, it, it gets to show the – uh, you know, it, it goes to show the the concern that the Republicans may not be as united now as they were showing uh, showing to be. So that's um, that's my concern uh, with that. Uh, let's see if there's um, well, here's another part. So if, and, and real quick before I continue, does anyone minute want to make any comments on that? Uh, uh, Joe, are you back? Yeah, hey, I'm just relaxing, listening. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. Did anyone want to add on that? Add anything to that before I continue with the the article? No, okay. Well, I wanted to... Okay. Go ahead, Joe. I'm just... No, all right. Yeah, if I can only do, I don't know what this new evidence is supposed to be, but let's let's say they're going to go full bore. In other words, the Democrats about um, the Ukrainian call about quid pro quo, unless they actually prove. That Trump um, asked Zelensky to dig up phony evidence against uh, the prosecutor or Biden, they don't have a case. Because by treaty, the um, executive branch and the legislative branch as well, they're supposed to make sure that the, com- that the countries that they give financial aid to are supposed to be as corruption-free as possible. So for, um, if they're going to accuse Trump of quid pro quo, which is supposedly some sort of high crime and misdemeanor, <coughs> about, um, well, can you do me or can you do us a favor? Then they're going to have to do the same thing with Biden. Biden was given the assignment from Obama about the same thing, about making sure that there's no corruption in these particular um, in these particular uh, countries. But, as everybody knows, the major thing with Biden is that he wanted a prosecutor fired who was, ex- who was um, scrutinizing his son. And that's the major element. That's the fly in the ointment for the Dems. But with um, Trump, if they're going to accuse him of doing doing that, then they also have to accuse Hillary of, of, of hiring fusion uh, fusion GPS. fusion EPF to um, to dig up information about about Trump. They called it um, reconnaissance. Uh, for Hillary, they can call it reconnaissance and um, investigative and op, op-ed, op opposition research for Trump as well. So they don't have a case unless they can actually say and prove that Trump wanted <clears throat> to plant evidence against Biden. In my view, I'm not a lawyer, but this is something which I think would make an impact on the people. The people will say the same thing. If Trump didn't plant evidence then he's doing the same thing as Biden. If he's guilty, then Biden's guilty, which means it's a, um, you know, if one negates the other. So that's all I got to say, and I'm going to 
uh, lay back and just listen. Uh, Kelly, did you want to add to that? Well, Rand Paul is appealing to the political views of the people, which I think Paul, Rand Paul, which I like, um, and he is because he's very independent, constitutionally minded. I understand him quite a bit. But he can see how Republican voters are going to be furious if the Republican senators allow a bunch of Democrat witnesses. I can see that. Now, there is such a thing as cross-examination. <laughs> and, uh, of course, we have this in this country. Yeah, it's true, too. So in cross-examination, the way attorneys think, you know, well, okay, say you're a defense attorney and your client did not kill somebody that is accused of killing somebody. You bring a witness forward. You watch the prosecutor brings the witness forward first, puts them on the hot spot, the witness stand, which I've been on that hot spot as an expert witness. But anyway, so then what happens is the defense attorney trying to get his client acquitted who is innocent, he watches the prosecutor interview a witness, 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 this, this, that. Prosecutor's asking questions. The defense attorney's taking notes. Okay. Then he gets up there, and he starts asking questions and puts doubt in the mind of the jury. And then they squabble over what's admissible evidence and what's not, objection sustained, objection overruled, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things that... Attorneys will do when they're even uh, when they're on the witness stand as a prosecutor or cross-examining later, is they'll let that witness speak. Just let him speak, because eventually, a lot of things are going to come out that if a person is trained, coached, coerced, bribed to lie, they just let him speak. Let him speak. Let him speak. Let him speak. Let's get him in cross-examination. I would love to see Trey Gowdy. Do the cross-examination. You've seen him, how he's done this. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, he's not one of them, but yeah. Well, maybe, I don't know how it works, if if they can retain him to do cross-examination of Democratic witnesses. Um, He would be a bulldog, (laughs) and it would be fun to watch him. Oh, yeah. He's as tough as people. So, yeah, there is such a thing as cross-examination. Well, and, okay, and, and so, speaking of witness, oh, go ahead, go ahead, no. Suzette. I was just going to say, Pelosi had uh, a brief uh, press briefing conference, whatever, with the press there, um, when she had announced the, uh, what is it, oh, the resolution for the Ukraine thing. Anyway, she had indicated to the press as to what the new evidence was, because someone had asked her, and she said, well, there we have new evidence that... Trump did ask his um, one of his guys to ask the DOD to hold that money, and so she says, "So we got him." And it's like, oh, how do you figure? Yes, we know that the money was held, and we know that he said he wanted to hold it. So I, so basically, they're just going to make a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, but that's what she did tell the press: is that was the evidence, new evidence that had um, basically says that we got him now. <laughs> Oh, 
tell you what, I, now, I had somebody who talked uh, talk to tonight, and they're like, oh, well, uh, Trump's losing support, you know, for, no, they're, they're galvanizing, uh, they're, they're galvanizing Trump's support, and I do see some other folks, if they'd like to get in, just push them on the number and I'll get you in the show, uh, but there is one other person that they do call witnesses that perhaps would be interesting uh, to have the defense question this guy, and, uh, you know, the guy no article here, now this one is from uh, the Bard's Logic Political Talk website, and you can find more of the articles uh, at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, it's the newsroom uh, we have here. Now, this one is uh, might be a, an interesting uh, person to have on if they call it. Um, it says, the article is, uh, IG report bombshell. Did the FBI and DOJ ask Putin's uh, buddy to help get Trump? says DOJ official Bruce Orr called a meeting of several federal federal agencies to discuss working with a Russian oligarch because of his belief premised on the unverified steel dossier that Trump was corrupt. So a previously unnoticed unnoticed passage in the Inspector General Michael Horowitz's report on federal surveillance abuse suggests Bruce Orr and his compatriots were willing to bargain with a Russian oligarch to take down Donald Trump. Uh, 200-plus pages into the IG report, while discussing former Associate Deputy Attorney General Orr's continued contracts with Crossfire Hurricane dossier author Christopher Steele, Horowitz revealed a significant detail that to date has been overlooked. On December 7, 2016, Orr conveyed an interagency meeting including representatives from the FBI. And remember we stated earlier how why would Trump send people from the FBI to do investigations and instead of Giuliani when you can't you don't know who you could trust in the FBI. Uh, and it says regarding strategy in dealing with Russian oligarch one. Uh, the IG report added that after the meeting, one of Orr's junior department colleagues who attended the meeting, asked Orr about why the U.S. government would support trying to work with Russian oligarch one. The moniker used in the IG report to refer to one Vladimir Putin's closest confidants, the aluminum oligarch Oleg Deposka, or, or, or Deripaska. Orr's reported, uh, reported response is shocking. Orr told her that Steele provided information that the Trump campaign had been corrupted by the Russians, and that the corruption went all the way to President-elect Trump. Orr's junior colleagues told the IG that Orr explained this information was the basis for the Deripaska discussion, an interagency meeting they just left. It has been known for some time that Steele spoke with Orr about Deripaska. While in the Steele-friendly press portrayed those discussions as FBI attempts, to flip Deripaska, the IG reached a different conclusion. He found Steele performed for um, sorry, Steele performed work for Russian oligarch number one's attorney on Russian oligarch one's litigation hours and matters, and as described later in chapter nine, passed information to Department Attorney Bruce Orr, advocating on behalf of one of Russia oligarchs one companies regarding U.S. sanctions. The IG further found that Orrin Steele's communications concerning the, uh, Deripaska occurred in 2016 during the time period before and after Steele was terminated as a confidential human source. 
These findings, coupled with previous reports that Steele worked for one of the the Prisca's lawyers, London-based Paul Hauser, and appeared to lobby on behalf of uh, Deripaska through a Washington or through a D.C.-based attorney, Adam Waldman, renewed questions concerning whether Steele violated the Foreign Agent Registration Act. Likewise, the, the IG reports notes that Orr said that he understood Steele was angling for Orr to assist him with clients' issues, and that Orr stated that Steele was hoping that Orr would intercede on his behalf with the department attorney handling a matter involving a European company. Hmm. What European and wonder? Suggested the need for a FARA investigation into Steele's work. It says, but the larger question concerns that. Uh, that while the above excerpt passages from the IG report suggest about the December 7, 2016 meeting, and it states here, it says five things we learned from this excerpt. One, while, uh, while no further mention was made of this meeting in the IG report, and while Horowitz remains vague in his description of the meeting, the passage nonetheless revealed several key points. One that Orr had convened the interagency meeting, or the Orr convened, two, the interagency meeting, and three, the American elected president. We also know that one of Orr's Department of Justice junior colleagues attended the meeting at which there was a discussion of trying to work with Deripaska. From these facts, we can surmise that Orr called the December 7, 2016 meeting in his capacity as the then director of the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force for three reasons. First, OCDETF is a multi-agency task force comprised of members of the Department of Justice, Homeland Security, U.S. Postal Service, and Department of Labor. Second, or testified before Congress that as director of OCDETF, his duties including coordinate drug and organized crime investigations within the department and that organized crime investigations, including transnational investigations of Russian organized crime and Russian oligarchs. Related, the IG report noted that Orr uh, said when he became the OCDETF director, his boss expressed his desire for Orr to expand OC, I'm tired of OCDETF mission to include transnational organized crime matters. Or then told the IG that as a result, he continued working on transnational organized crime policy and in order to maintain awareness, tracked Russian organized crime issues. Finally, we know that one of Orr's junior colleagues attended the meeting, indicating Orr called the gathering of his official capacity as not a part of his unauthorized crossfire hurricane spying. And then it just it continues on. Uh, let's see. But that so. Uh, but that being said, again, you could read the rest of the article uh, by going to the uh, Bards Logic newsroom at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Um, so I'm wondering if, you know, because this has all seemed to be wrapped up together, that maybe uh, Bruce Orr should not be te- uh, be called the witness to testify. So, Absolutely. I don't know. I mean, it's um, it's it's going to be. Uh, <coughs> I don't know. Why I mean, I mean, 
Uh, I don't I mean, well, know. Well, let's say. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I was just going to say, if they could get the 51 votes, go ahead. It's going to be interesting because not only can this possibly, possibly new stuff, Russian oligarch trying to say Russia because Putin and uh, Trump oh, shit. aren't good together. You know, that allegation, that might be some stunning evidence, but at the same time, the Senate can vote to, you know what, why don't we go ahead and bring in all the situation about um, Biden and his son and that whole situation. They could bring that in as well. They could bring in, you know, parts of the corruption of the left. You know, you started out your show with projection. The Senate, the Senate could do that if they so vote. I mean, this could turn into an opportunity. Well, neither party is going to come out unscathed. Uh, one or both parties is really going to be hurt by this whole fiasco. But, yeah, is there going to be some serious, oh, my gosh, evidence when the Republicans are just destroyed? Or will the Democrats look like idiots and they're destroyed? Not destroyed, per se, but really hurt next election. It's just going to be interesting what evidence they'll bring forward. Yeah, and it's going to see if you know, if the, if the, you know, and again, that's my concern. I mean, the the the, re, the Republicans have a history of being spineless against uh, against the Democrats. I mean, and I've even said you finally, even Mitch McConnell seems to got himself a pair of balls, you know. So uh, I am, I'm happy to finally see that, but you know what? But now they're saying. Oh well, you know we're not going to dismiss it. That caused me concern. But I mean, I can understand. I think Joe, you're pointing out, you know, as to as to why they wouldn't just dismiss it outright. Which you know, wish they, you know, part of me wishes they would. I mentioned that, you know, last week. Um, I mean, I, I see there could definitely be enough potential to, ex, you know, expose. The corruption in Washington, which is one of the reasons why a lot of people sent, you know, basically sent Trump there. Okay, but do they have the? I mean, do they? Because the the, the media is against them. I mean, we know that. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna put their their propaganda out there. And even Fox News isn't flawless when it comes to their coverage of these things. I mean, I, I got a real. I mean, at first I was pretty confident, but after hearing this this this, this stuff, I, I just, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess I mean I'm not a trusting person <laughs> to begin with, to be honest. But I don't know. I just until what you know. Th- this is just. I, I don't think a lot of people realize how important this really is. I really don't. Uh, I mean, this, this this is it. You know, one thing that well, I'm sure people who pay attention to like and watch Sean Hannity for years and years and election after election. I like Sean Hannity, but one thing that guy does almost every election, he's been doing this price since Bush. This is the most important election of our lifetime. He always says that this is the most important election of our lifetime. And I, and I every time he says, I'm like, Hannity, you said that last year <laughs> or, or last election. Oh, but I'm telling you, I think. This impeachment, since they are going to call witnesses, it's, it's, since it's, going, it's here, it's going to happen. 
Okay, and I know you know people. Some people kind of blowing off. Oh, I'm thinking. Um, you know, it's not really important. This. We, I think, we are really truly at a pivotal moment in our country. I really do. So pivotal that where we are going to be in the future. What I mean by that. Is that if Trump somehow get and, and, and I tell you what this 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 is a more dangerous situation than Obama being elected. I know there's a lot of people afraid. Oh my gosh, we're going to lose the republic if, if if Obama gets elected. I was never feared nor hated Obama as much as a lot of a, a lot of conservatives and, and people did. But let me tell you, my opinion. I mean, he's bad, but my opinion, Schiff. And Pelosi and what they're doing here are far worse than what Obama has ever done. I truly believe. It. Now, now what Obama did towards the beginning to help them out because I think he's got a hand in it with with, with you know Trump being spied on and things of that nature. I'm, I think he's got a hand in it. But this, I think, this moment in history is so important because here's the thing: if Trump is somehow, and I strongly believe this, and I strongly think this. If somehow if Trump is removed from office, the fight against – in my opinion, I think the fight against the deep state, the fight against globalism is lost. We lost. We will never – we will never regain, regain it. We're just gonna, it's going to be a, a – it's just going to be a slippery slope towards globalism. The corruption – Will not be stopped. This is our opportunity to finally stop the corruption, or at least expose it if people can wake up to it, the corruption of our government. Which, which pains me because I always thought the government was there to, you know, as a as a good entity. I grew up believing that. But these, these past eight, you know, eleven years. You know, not so much. I, I do. I think this is the time. If if we lose this, if we lose this one, if if there's some, if they if they somehow are able to remove Trump, we're in big trouble. Because corruption will will corruption will have prevailed. And I don't think I, I think if that happens. There's no going back. I think we're done. I don't think we're no. ever gonna. Well, I don't think we're ever going to be able to uh, get rid of the corruption ever. I think it's done. We might as well just realize it's a way of life and be done with it. Well, there's uh, corruption and then the corporate interest of lobbyists to bend the will of government towards their profit. And Bossiat wrote about that in the mid-1800s, but there's two types of – anyway, I think Trump's going to survive the trial unless there's some – Stunning whirlwind uh, tornado evidence the Democrats introduced, but um, the uh, I want to. Well, anything could be made look if, bad if with, the, with the right spin. Go ahead. I know, but if if he wasn't exposing the corruption, they wouldn't fight him. So I think you have a point there. And the recent trade deal with China, um, they are going to finally start respecting our intellectual property. Is in stop going to the U.S. Patent Office, find out, gee, what did the Americans invent for us today that we can sell to them? 
um, Trump's hammering this on, <clears throat> on that, and that took some tariffs to do. I mean, the Chinese, yeah, it's an agreement, but they haven't been following it. It's like, yeah, let's just steal. And they, they do all sorts of um, information gathering. There was a report about there was a, the ZTE phones were from China, and they had a chip to take the basically on. You're you're breaking oh. up. I don't know if you're outside and it's windy or or what, but you're you're breaking up there, Kelly. Here we got kind of a we got somewhat of a winter storm going on. We get some snow tonight here, in Northern California. Um, but yeah, the Chinese. I mean, he's he's hammering now. The globalists love China and the trade and free trade for making their corporations bigger. So Trump is really doing some amazing things um, to deal with this corruption and the power centers they have some of their power moves are not necessarily corrupt but they're they're favoring big corporations and and kind of forget about us little people so that's an interesting thing i wanted to uh, know if we can change the topic a little bit because there's some big things going on too um as in next monday there's going to be a big rally in virginia that uh, the Second Amendment people want to keep their guns. I don't blame them. And uh, so is that something we can kind of discuss? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And then I, I do got an audio uh, that, I, that I want to play um, later, but we still, we still have plenty of time. We're only uh, a little more than halfway through the show. Go ahead. Okay. Well, there's been – well, there's 95 counties in Virginia – and three counties pretty much control the state by population. That's just like Oregon is mostly conservative, except Portland runs the show. Northern California is mostly conservative and agriculture, except L.A. and San Francisco, Bay Area, and, and San Diego run the show. So Virginia had three counties, and uh, they have a whole bunch of – they were successful. Bloomberg spent – millions to turn um, the Virginia House and Senate. They already had the governorship. So they've turned uh, the state government blue, and they're passing some ridiculous gun confiscation laws. They're not confiscation laws, gun gun laws. That are, it's looking like confiscations coming next, all sorts of things. There's a big, big rally on the 20th, and then the state uh, legislature passed a law. This is a gun-free zone within this block of the Capitol building. And so um, it's just going to be interesting. Some knucklehead um, Freedom Second Amendment folks, they kind of went over the top and they they sent messages like, you know, since you're going to have guns and we can't, you better have bring a bunch of body back for the big rally on Tuesday. So there's some, you know, stupid stuff comes out like, I mean, they haven't grabbed the guns yet, guys. So, anyway, Virginia, West Virginia, the legislature of West Virginia has offered to the western counties of Virginia, hey, you guys want to come join West Virginia? Like, whoa! Now that's an interesting thing. They would uh, the counties and the counties would secede from Virginia to West Virginia. Obviously, it would be, have to be a contagi- contiguous thing. And uh, the gun, the 2A sanctuary, Second Amendment sanctuary, counties and cities, there's 95 counties, but between counties and cities, it's like over 90 uh, Second Amendment sanctuaries. I like that word, 
<laughs> sanctuaries, yes. You know, you down in San Francisco you have your illegal sanctuary. Well in parts of Virginia, um, it's a two A sanctuary. So and of course the Attorney General of Virginia came out and said, Nah, that doesn't do anything, that has no effect and and then there's rumors of the governor once they pass you know, one one rumor was that they want to uh order the police to law enforcement to grab guns. And if they won't, the National Guard's gonna go and arrest the police. And I'm like, dude, Article one, section thirteen of the Virginia Constitution, you have the right to keep and bear arms, it's very clear. Uh, but it's still going to be a rather interesting scenario. On Monday is the big meeting, the 20th. And I hope it doesn't turn bloody. I mean, obviously, we don't want to see blood, but people can be knuckleheads. And there's also going to be – they're putting out warnings that if you're going to go, uh, make sure you go with somebody from Virginia so you can be vetted because they're concerned about oh, – Antifa or some other type of radical group sneaking in and then starting uh, starting things. So it's going to be an interesting scenario on on Monday in Virginia. Um, so see people's thoughts, and then I wanted to expose how problematic the election system is in, in uh, California. But let's anybody's thoughts on the West Virginia, the Virginia situation. Well, I'm going to be in the green room uh, real quick, getting um, uh, eight, getting uh, eight four five uh, ready, and so um, I'm going to be doing that. And if you anyone like to respond on that, whether uh, uh, yourself, Suzette, or Joe, go ahead. Nope, not right now. Thanks. Uh, yes, I have heard about what was going on there in Virginia. It's kind of one of those things, like who hasn't, but. Um, at least they're responding. Uh, the people that live there, they're just not going to lay down and accept. Uh, that's good. And as far as California goes, well, uh, you know, <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> I don't want to start crying over the phone. <laughs> well, we got uh, we got Mike on the line, so let's go ahead and bring in uh, Mike from New York. Thank you very much, Mike, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Pretty good. How's everybody tonight? Suzette, how are you? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. I don't know if we can hear Suzette. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Okay, I hear Suzette. And Suzette, don't take it like that. I didn't mean hello, everybody, and Suzette. I didn't mean it like that, so don't take it that way. No, no, no. I'm not taking that way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. One thing I wanted to say about it, I mean, the fight is a lot more than – Everything you're getting in California, you're reading about Virginia and everything, it's a lot deeper than that. It's a lot more involved than that. And the media and the articles that you're reading are it's not even it's not even enough information. It doesn't go into the millions, the two million or two and a half million that Bloomberg funded that he spent on the election and other groups, other anti-gun groups that are in the wings that funded a lot of these politicians and pushed them, promoted them. To get this stuff through, which actually makes me sit back and say, are the American voters that stupid where they can be bought with advertising? Yes, apparently they are. Yes, they are. Money works. You know, Adolf Hitler could get elected. I'm starting to wonder if that's possible. I mean, with enough money and a good PR, anything's possible in, in this version of America. So anyways, they funded a lot of these guys and right away they said, that's it. 
We've got the majority because we were elected, and the people want gun control, and we're going to push everything, including the first bill, the assault weapons ban. They wanted to confiscate the assault weapons. If you look it up, that was on the table. That's what started all, a lot of the push where you had, first off, you had sheriffs in all of these counties coming out saying, we're not going to do that. We are not going to confiscate. There's no provisions for anybody for a grandfather clause whatsoever. We're not going to start confiscating them. And they said, okay, well, uh, um, what, what are we doing here? We're getting into trouble here. This is uh, coming back in our face. Okay, you know what? We're going to give a grandfather clause, and you're allowed. I remember the article. You're allowed to keep them as, as long as you register them. Well, we know how that game works here in New York. I'm in New York State with the SAFE Act. And the law that they pay it passed basically was an enhanced version of the SAFE Act that was put in place by Bloomberg. And there were articles on the news who admitted this because the law was so flawed that Governor Cuomo finally came out at one point and said, well, we're not the ones that wrote it. It was actually Bloomberg that wrote it. And Bloomberg came in and said, well, it's not our fault. So they admitted it, that this is how they work. Bloomberg had that bill written up. They had it written up. It wasn't written up by a politician. It was written up by lobby groups. So anyways, they enhanced it. They changed it. They modified it, even to the point that some handguns that now they might decide don't look nice or aren't friendly looking are now assault weapons. So even handguns could be classified as assault weapons. They broadened it. So, and they said, we're going to pass this. And that's what started it. That's what started everybody. Now they realized, the, the politicians realized, this is a dead end. Now we're facing nationwide criticism and a lot of, I guess we're not in, Mass in Massachusetts, California, or New York here. We can't get away with this here. These people are coming to our doors with the pitchforks. And they literally were. So they said, okay, uh, this time now we're going we're gonna to vote on these, take them out of committee, but we'll only vote on four of the laws, and we're going to shelve the assault weapons thing because we don't want to talk about that right now because maybe right now is the wrong time. They were afraid. They backed down because they were afraid. But that still, still leaves the red flag laws and the other laws they pass, where you're only allowed to buy one firearm a month and all that stuff. Those things came out of committee now, and they're going to be going to the floor, which means they're, they're up for a vote. So they're, they're looking at some serious problems. And you know who all the blame comes down to? Nationwide. It's not uh, the Democrat uh, Donald Duck and this one and some of the idiots and the, the, the farces that are out there. It's the Supreme Court because they've had stooges in place in the Supreme Court that dragged their feet and refused to hear any of these Second Amendment cases. If the Supreme Court would get off their ass and really start making some rulings and clarifying and striking some of these things down, then that would be the end of it. The playground would be closed for the Democrats. They wouldn't be able to pull this stuff. But instead, what the tactics are, let's write a hundred different laws, throw them at the wall, some of them are going to stick, and the ones that now we'll do is we know those are unconstitutional, but we'll wait until somebody has enough money to fight it in court, and it might take five or ten years. So that means we got five or ten years out of that law, and then when the court tells us that it's wrong, we'll all look really sad and say, I'm sorry, we had no idea. Okay, we'll strike it down. Now, on the side, they go, let's rewrite the law, change the verbiage, and put it back in place. And that's the game. So they want what they want. In, so you're, are you from Virginia? 
No, I'm from New York State, but I'm very active with the Second Amendment groups and a lot of the private pages and everything. And also with some of the, they call them militia groups, which I'm against that stuff. Because some of these guys, are they overdo it with the the radical attitudes. I agree with you on that. Where you come down there, and I've had it up here in in New York, where right at the very beginning with 2013, we had some of the, some of the gun owners said, you know, we're going to send a message to, to Albany. We'll take our rifles loaded and we'll surround the state house. Yeah, smart fucking move, retard. That's yeah. just what they want you to do. Are you out of your mind? Is something wrong with you? And I mean, I was active with the guys that were putting on the rallies up here in New York. And I told all of them, at the risk of, of pissing some of them off, don't show up in camouflage. You're not, this is not duck hunters or swamp people. This is what the media wants you to do. Do not show up in camouflage. They're going to expect that. And they'll use it against us. They'll make us look like we're all Jethro Bodines from the Ozarks or something. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, you nice know, dress, khakis, uh, suit and tie even. Uh, well, I mean, you know, look normal. But, I mean, this, this is part of the game. It's all propaganda. Understand how they work the propaganda, how they manipulate it and everything. Goebbels might be gone, but the machine has still been working for years. Wow. Well, you know what happened at Kent State? I had a friend that was there. He didn't even – he was in the music hall. He didn't see all the fiasco, but they got locked down inside. Right. But what happened was um, they – the socialists had infiltrated the crowd, and then they were, they were holding on to the ropes. And so when uh, – at the right time, the socialists dropped the ropes, and then the socialists in the crowd started pushing everybody forward. Literally. So that's what provocateurs will do, and they will infiltrate because well, even Jesus had to infiltrate the 12. And, and you know so. what complicates it? And I agree with you. And you know what complicates a lot of it? When they activate under state active duty, the National Guard, and I'm, I'm a little bit involved with that. So I've got a rough idea on, on how that works. What the state does is first thing a lot of the states do is they'll look for volunteers to go on state active duty. where They're being activated by the governor. Now, you're going to get a, mis- a mixed match of, of, you might get five guys from a transportation unit, three guys from a signal unit. You might get five guys from an infantry unit. You got, are these guys trained on riot control? No. No, they're not. So-and-so, Freddie over here is a mechanic. He knows how to work on engines, on armored vehicles. What, this guy over here, he's familiar with radio gear. Now, you're handing him a rifle and saying, okay, stand out there, and what training do they have? None. Now, finally, the government started realizing this and waking up, and I, in, at least here in New York, and I bet you the, through the NGB, the National Guard Bureau, they've, they've, I bet you anything, they've issued directives now to correct that, and they're starting to use more military police and putting the military police through training like that so they're prepared for it because they don't want it Kent State. That's the last thing. And even here yeah. in New York after 9-11, what they did was they were sending, they were putting troops down in in the city, and they just recently did it during Hurricane Sandy. They had National Guard were addressing some of the looting that was going on during Hurricane Sandy in New York. And the politicians came out and said, we don't want them armed. We don't want any of those soldiers to have weapons because that sends the wrong message. Yeah, it's all – it's all, there's so much hypocrisy. But there's – yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. The um, these, these militia groups that are forming, and the FBI reported, I don't know, eight, ten years ago that there was over yeah. – 500 militia groups across the country, and uh, but these militia groups who form and practice in the backwoods, what have you, okay, 
they forgot something about the First Amendment. Do you know the first half of the Second Amendment? Okay, now he's going to get into the uh, militia and, and everything and the verbiage and, and everything. And what the biggest mistake that everybody makes, they don't go through the Federalist Papers or look at, look at an old dictionary and look at the meanings of what those words meant when they were used back when that was written. And that's the biggest problem. They judge it by how we use the terms, how we use the words today, how they define today. And well, that creates I'm, a right, huge right. problem. Right, right. Well, here's the full Second Amendment. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, or the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. All right. A well-regulated militia, what's that mean? Where does the regulation come from? That means all of us back in those terms. Uh-huh. That means everybody. We were well, the militia. Actually, the people were the militia. But see, when you get into it and you start going into the Federalist Papers, then you can understand it because that clarifies it. Well, is the militia public or private? It's 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 the people. You're it's close. public. It's it's a people. It is it's public. It is public right. because the regulations come from the state. I got a buddy that researched this exhaustively. Well, they, and basically, you the, the regulations come down. They have a chain of command, basically, and it depends on the state. Some sixteen to eighteen to forty, or sixteen to forty-five, whatever. And all able-bodied men, and they're to be accoutred, means properly equipped. And and this came. It wasn't just um, in the seventeen seventies. No, it was going back into the sixteen hundreds. Well, if you go into actually British law, going back in, a lot of the stuff was based on some of the old British terms and British law that was used. I mean, they they yeah, recognized part of it. Because, yeah, part of it was. But, right. So uh, what happened you, is, okay. what happened is, I mean, you're in a frontier area, the Indians and whatever, and the, and the well-regulated, well-regulated militia trained, public, well-regulated, unregulated. trained. And no, they were regulated by regulations of the colonies. Well, no, regulations and, mean a different thing. Well, regulated means uh, coordinated, trained, and uh, but not trained like like what you're thinking training today. Uh, well organized and everything. It was, you know, but they had they had a well maintained. That was the word that a lot of them used when you go into the Federalist Papers. Not by today's standards where they say trained like a National Guard. It wasn't. Right, right. Some of these guys were farmers. They were regular, normal-day people. You right, know? but the, the colonies wrote the regulations. They had a chain of command. You elect your captains. Your captains elect. It's a chain of command thing. And it's an interesting system. Benjamin Franklin was in the uh, militia. Of course, he fought the French and Indian Wars. Francis yeah. Scott Key was in the militia. Basically, all able-bodied men were in the militia, and if they didn't show right. up for the muster, then they were fined. So it was definitely public with regulation, chain of command, elections. Not this roll your own, oh, well, the government's wrong, let's get 100 people and then go storm the courthouse. Like, seriously, people? Well, that's Where? exactly – did you ever hear about Lettington over here in Carmel? Not just uh, – uh, not just where – you know where you're going with the the British. You've got people screaming the British are coming, and and, and no, that wasn't the only one. It, it was, I mean, Ludington. That girl went out there and, and she rode and and notified everybody. And a lot of these guys were farmers, and they were militia. Everybody was part of the militia to defend your neighborhoods and everything else. And these guys showed up, and they came out and they responded. So it was more than that. 
I mean, everybody that would sign up and volunteer, yes, but everybody could, just like in the Wild West, they deputized somebody in a heartbeat. Everybody was part of the militia to defend. Actually, so, what happened is you watch the Hollywood movies, that's very deceptive. Oh, let's round up a posse. No, they were No, it isn't, because it's part of the history where we are. When you read about Ludington, that's in the next town over from me. Uh, that girl's father was uh, one of the militia members, and what he did was he, he got hurt or something. He put his daughter on a horse and had her ride. And and she rode, warning everybody, rode, rode through the night in the dark, that girl. But nobody really talks about her. Wow. Uh, for, for some reason, yeah, she's a – but, you know, so it's it, – and that's when they're next – they got a monument to her and everything commemorating and, what, what she did. And the militias were there to limit government's powers. You know, if they got right. too, yes. too crazy, that's, you know, basically we're taking yeah, back power. Was a, See, and, and a lot of the things you can't make up and say states' rights, yes, but there's a Bill of Rights in the Constitution, and the states can't override that. You have states' rights to a point, but you can't override it. That's why you yes, got a Bill yes. of Rights that says that the Second Amendment is in there, and say, but the Second Amendment is only good in Washington, D.C. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's only good for people that have fancy uniforms, and it looks like the 7th New York Regiment, and uh, all the volunteers, and... No, you know, that's where ratification that. came in. Yeah, when the states ratified it, that's yeah. where they had basically signed yeah. on, saying we will follow these rules. But the anti-gunners. Okay, real love- quick, real quick, prog- real quick programming note, folks. Um, it is about seven minutes to the top of the hour, so uh, keep those charged, or if it drops, uh, you won't be able to call back in. Uh, we'll continue this part of the conversation to the top of the hour. Then I do want to uh, get back for our uh, topics tonight. Uh, two things: one uh, is I do have an audio that uh, you know want to play, and then also want to also discuss in the last hour what folks' thoughts are on what President Trump should focus on. Uh, which, believe it or not, I mean it's, it's coming up for a State of the Union address. I think it's actually the Tuesday after the Super Bowl, if uh, if I got my dates right. Uh, now, of course, that's three weeks, so who knows? Maybe the impeachment thing will be over. Maybe it'll actually be uh, during the impeachment where he does a State of the Union, which, of course, I think that would be unprecedented. So we'll just have to see. But what, what, I mean, whether impeachment is going on or whether impeachment is over, uh, what should Trump do during his uh, State of the Union address? We'll talk that more in the top of the hour. But again, uh, don't let the. Uh, you know the the call drop because if that happens, and unfortunately, you will not be able to uh, do that. Now, I, I guess we were uh, we do have some folks uh, who are in the chat, and I apologize uh, for okay. Who knows? Uh, try to give those people in the chat an opportunity to. Uh, chime in. Uh, you could call it 347-945-7428, and we'll let uh, people get to the show. We just push the one on your number dial, and uh, we'll we'll let them in. So let's go ahead, and uh, you guys can continue that for the next uh, five minutes, so we'll get uh, keep going. Go ahead. Okay, just if you get a chance, uh, my my friend from California, take a look at look up Sybil Ludington. She was 16 years old on the night of April 26, 1777, when she rode 40 miles. More than twice the distance ridden by Paul Revere from Danbury, Connecticut to Carmel, New York, warning everybody that the British were planning to attack Danbury. Oh, my God. And everybody active. Take, look this up. Look this up. Because it's, it's more, than what, more than what they tell you. It's Sybil Revington? 
Sybil Ludington, L-U-D-I-N-G-T-O-N. Very nice. I mean, I think the, the I think the girl deserves more credit. History should remember her. Oh, absolutely. We know her here. Oh, yeah. But it's unbelievable for a 16-year-old girl in the dark over 40 miles. I posted a tribute to her on the 4th of July in my Facebook, um, Daniel. So if you go through my postings, you'll find them. Uh, I actually made a video. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, you know, kudos to her. Hey, hey Robert, can you give this the gentleman from New York my phone number? Because I want to introduce him to a guy that I think he might want to talk to. The one who studied the well-regulated. A lot of the difference with this, a lot of these people haven't been involved with it. I've been a gun collector over 50 years. I've been, I used to have my federal firearms licenses besides a collector's license. I've been very involved with it. I've I've dealt dealt with it. That'll tell you, very involved. So when when somebody that does it like a drive-by shooting, you know, I mean, they do drive-by comments. A lot of people, especially on Facebook, yes, but the guns, really, this is what it means. It's like, okay, thank you very much. Here's a Tootsie Pop, sit down. Yes, but I'm going to look at the subject for a straw, and this is what it means. No, that's not what's going on. I think it's Trump's fault. Uh, It's just, it's very frustrating. Sorry to sound like... So I just sound like a little bit of a maniac about it, but when something is a part of your life long enough and a part of a sport, a hobby, and everything else, and it's like, and it's something that's not understood by other people. I get that. Not everybody understands it. And firearms is nothing magical about them. I mean, there's a lot to learn, a lot of history, a lot. But some people just don't know it, and and they latch on to. And as I said before, I think last time I was on the show. Biggest mistake with everybody is they judge history, they judge current events, everything based on how they live their lives today. You know, they don't they don't realize that it's a big world and there's a well, lot of other viewpoints, Daniel, a lot of other facts, and they don't get it. Well, Daniel knows a lot about history as as well. I think um, maybe if you are crossing in your interpretations of stuff, but um, but Daniel is uh, very knowledgeable as well. Um, right. But on the Second Amendment, as far as guns and militia and all that, uh, I have to give that one to Mike. <laughs> uh, I've, been, I've been on it for a long, long time. And um, I mean, if, if ever somebody, some people say, if you got a time machine, what would you? I'd go back and I'd nail these guys that that were writing when they were working on the Bill of Rights, and I'd, I'd slap them all on the head and say, you got to clarify that goddamn language because we're going to be putting up with it for hundreds of years later because of it being interpreted and twisted because you guys left some parts vague and left the door open for people to come in and say, well, actually, this is what it means. Well, no, I'm looking at it with these lenses, and this is what it means. I mean, well, here's here's what I'd like to see uh, nationwide, every state and every county, city. You write a law or an ordinance, you have to have a couple pages. This is the intent. Yes. This is the intent. And so when a court gets it, oh, that's the intent. Oh, okay. All right. And so and you don't have to have all this debate. The legislators wrote the intent, pages yep. two, three, five, ten. I don't care. This is yep. the intent of this law. This is the history of the time. This is we we looked at precedents as well from the even going back to the British and and their system. Yep. We went back and we decided to fix this problem. And here's our intent. If they would have done this. Oh my gosh! The whole world would have, the whole country would have had a lot of pain. I'd agree. I'd even add a, an, another layer on it on the federal side. 
set up a committee that, but you'd have to specify, you'd have to be very specific on who would be on that committee because otherwise it would be controlled by one of the parties, either the Republicans or the Democrats. I wouldn't want to see that done. A committee that would, of lawyers and everybody that would compare it to make sure that it is constitutional, that the law is, and, you know, could be passed without being uh, looked at later or somebody saying that it's unconstitutional. No, this already passed a muster. It already worked out. It, it, this is okay. You know, well, but knowing how the politicians oh, yeah. are today, they put their brother-in-law and their friend down the street and somebody that donated extra money to them and that thing would get stacked the same way they've done with the Supreme Court. Oh, yeah. Well, have you, have you heard of the state of Jefferson? It's really a state of mind, but 22 counties, this is several years ago, 22 counties sent a declaration, not a declaration of independence, but a declaration statement. We want out of California, 22 counties, so then they get all excited. And this is like probably fourth or fifth attempt to do this. But um, the, some of the constitutional provisions some people put together was it goes from the legislature, if, if we became our own state, it goes from the legislature into a constitutional review committee. And if this law is unconstitutional per the Jefferson Constitution, then it's null and void. And so then the legislature has to change it until the law is constitutional. So I agree with you there. I mean, we're on public you know, same pages if we talk. Some, something's and, got uh, some noise or something going on in the background. I don't know if it was a clock or something, but it was a, it was a clock. Some kind of it, noise. Was a, it was a grandfather oh, clock okay. that I have. Every now and then it gets oh, excited. Oh, I, I got to, you. Okay. I have to throw yeah. things out and tell it to shut up. Sorry about that. Yeah. So I mean, there's well, no, a number okay. of things that could there could be a number of things that could be improved on the Constitution. Um, and we don't have time tonight to talk about that, but we've. You know, you look at the British law and how they were all over the place. Norman Conquest, 1066, oh, to the Aziz of Clarendon, to um, oh. Magna Carta, and then Parliament came out in the 1300s. And William the Conqueror, 1066. Had, yep. You had the State Trials of England of 1719, and then you had uh, State Trials version one. Two, I think they had yeah, four. I, I'll give you a perfect. I'll give you a perfect example here in New York. We are the only county. I'm in Westchester, which is the county directly above Mordor. Mordor is right. Mordor is right below me. At night, sometimes I can see the glow from the rings. And uh, and so anyway, the county they passed a law 15 years ago, and it's on the books still today. And we fought it. And the law says that the police have the right to do a no-knock search on any gun owner's home anytime they want, just to make sure that you're storing your firearms properly. That's ridiculous. They can kick in the door and search your house, and all the gun owners, everybody went, are you out of your mind? You understand this is blatant. This is unconstitutional. You can't do this. And they said, politicians, one of them told me to my face, yeah, well, we know it's unconstitutional, but we'd never use it. Don't worry. It'll never be used. Oh, what? I've heard that before. What? Blah, blah. We're yeah. not going to do it. Then why are you exactly? Then why did you pass it? Right. It's unbelievable. That. There's a thousand dollar day fine for code violation. Oh, we're not going to do that. I said, dude, we're then why are you that. writing it? Well, we're not going to do that. I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about people that replace you. Like if you win the lottery and move to the Bahamas, you're replacing. Yeah. You yeah. know, are you out of your mind? We finally got them to back down. I mean, a thousand dollars a day for building a deck without a permit, and they have the power to lien your property and foreclose if you don't make payments. Wow. And so other counties are doing this, and it's getting nasty. But anyway, 
So we finally, we packed, we did a video, packed the supervisor's chambers out the hall, down the stairs, and finally the guy that wrote it, Greg Flucker, in the community development department, who can't read plans, he admitted it to me. Anyway, he's head over building department, everything, well, I don't want to go into it again. So he finally backed down. He said, you know, in order to be effective, we have to ticket each and every day, and that's for the record. So he said that in front of the supervisors. Good. You have to ticket each and every day, but you have know, 30 days. Us engineers, I'm an engineer, engineers, architects, whoever, to try to fix a problem. We can't even get this done. We might not even be able to start their project for 30 days because we have got existing clients. So, boom, right there, there's $30,000 lien. Oh, oh you know, I'll tell you. Oh, no, but what? Do it. Oh, then why are you passing it? People are going to lose I, their property over this. I saw a, a friend, a friend of mine, the guy that I knew. He was a biker. He was he had his colors, and he owned a construction company. And uh, he was doing work on his house that he inherited. It was his mother's house, and code enforcement came down on him, pretty heavy. And they came down on him because it was the same guy from the town. Same guy every day came and wrote new regulations and inspections and violations and brought him to court he had tickets and okay. he was making night uh, it was a nightmare for this guy anyways i uh, it got it was finished i went over his house one night and he said i'm all done with it everything's done i said what do you mean everything's done what'd you do and he said well, well you know you know biker mentality he said uh he said uh i ran into him on the back roads out in, you know uh, i don't know if you guys are familiar with sturbridge mass area it's woody a lot of woods and he said, I ran him off the road, and I went over, and I grabbed him. And I told him, I said, answer me one question. He said, if you won't let me live my life the way I want to, why should I let you live yours? Oh. That guy never bothered him again. That code wow. enforcement, was, it was with that, you know, with that, I want to get, get back to um, you know, a topic. We literally only have maybe about... Uh, not even 50 minutes, maybe 45 minutes for us to start closing things out. And I do want to get uh, some audio and get some other uh, thoughts here. So let's go ahead and uh, give you, get this keyed up for us and uh, uh, get to our audio for tonight. Joining us tonight is Tom Fitton. He's the president of Judicial Watch. And uh, I know that you're working hard on this issue. Uh, how in the world does Judge Roberts, the Chief Justice, permit this to happen? Well, that's a good question. Uh, the FISA courts uh, were obviously lied to. Uh, one of the problems that we've uncovered is that they knowingly, uh, or they knew about this corruption, but did nothing about it. Uh, look, we had asked, for instance, transcripts of the hearings of the FISA courts about these warrants that were at issue. They were targeting uh, candidate Trump, and then the president of the United States. We forced Don't out of the Justice again. Department finally the admission that uh, the FISA courts held no hearings on this. And so now we have an Obama appointee running the uh, running the FISA court. He hires a uh, or designates as a friend of the court, a special friend of the court, to respond to the request the requested FISA reforms put forward yeah. by Ray. Uh, this anti-Trump activist. Forget him so, about so, being an Obama appointee. He's out there blogging, attacking the president of the United States, attacking the So how General. in the world can this happen is what I'm asking you, Tom. How can John Roberts let this happen? Because there's nothing independent about him. There is nothing that is balanced about him. Uh, Chris is, for crying out loud, the general counsel of Time Warner 
that uh, is the uh, uh, well the par- the parent company and the, s- the subsidiary line of CNN. I, I mean, this is crazy stuff, and it's and it's in your face, uh, crazy. The courts. One of the big lies is the independence of the courts in practice. The courts and the FBI and the DOJ work hand in glove in areas like this. And so if you leave it to the court, if you leave it to the FBI and DOJ, they're going to work together to protect. So what do you have to do? Impeach the chief justice of the Supreme Court to wake people up to say this has got to stop. This is corruption. This is political corruption. The president, in my view, needs to hire special counsel separate and apart from the FBI and Justice Department to prosecute the spygate crimes and the obstruction of justice and the crimes before the courts. Relying on the agencies to do the work, uh, I think, uh, based on past experience, that is not going to happen. Uh, you know, hoping that there'll be justice absent individual attention from the president, uh, that's not the way the system works in this corrupt D.C., the president should take individual action, direct action himself, and appoint a special counsel personally and directly. The president says, as have many of his supporters, that Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, should just dismiss upon receipt these farcical uh, articles of impeachment. There's no crime uh, established, as you know, in, in those whatsoever. Why go through the pretense of this solemn uh, you know, the formal uh, approach that is is designed clearly to give uh, this disastrous uh, process that Pelosi put together uh, some sort of credibility. It's a waste of everyone's time, taxpayer money, and it's just a further offense against the president and the nation. Yeah, I've long been of the view that there should be no abusive Senate trial based uh, or arising from the coup attack. Uh, by Pelosi and Schiff that saw the president's rights abused, his God-given rights, no due process for the president, and the idea that they would be rewarded with a further abusive trial, and it is going to be an abusive trial, uh, even under the rules that Mitch McConnell's trying to uh, put out there. How so? Because there is no majority to bring in witnesses that President Trump would bring in, but there is a majority, it looks like, to bring in witnesses to smear President Trump. And either way, witnesses or no witnesses, it's going to be two weeks of smearing President Trump. He'll, be, he'll win in the end, but he'll be, be abused by the process in the meantime. To the degree there's any trial, it ought to be of Adam Schiff. As I've long said, there should be a preliminary hearing by the Senate into prosecutorial misconduct by Schiff. That's the only process that should be put in place. President Trump idea. should be on trial. Schiff should be. I, I, I love the idea. Uh, Mitch McConnell uh, is on the phone for you right now, Tom Fenton. I'm happy to talk. <laughs> Maybe you should call it. Uh, I don't think we want to wait on that phone call. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it, Tom. Good to have you with us. Awesome. Thank you. Tom Fenton. I just wanted to make, the, make sure I got that out. Uh, I just thought it was funny. It's like, yeah, Schiff should be on it. And who knows? Hopefully, uh, hopefully Schiff will. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, if there is going to be testimony, he's certainly one of the people uh, that I, I want to see uh, done. And that was actually Lou Dobbs. I mean, if you didn't recognize the voice um, on the on the audio uh, there. And, of course, in the beginning, he, I, I should have prefaced that uh, about the – Chris, I can't remember his last name. He's actually been put in uh, charge of overseeing the uh, the changes uh, for the <laughs> – 
I mean, I, I, it's not funny, but it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. You, you, you got to laugh about it, or you're just your head will explode. It's just it's it's just unbelievable. I mean, it's, the, the corruption is just it's it's when I first seen that happen, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is literally the fox guarding the hen house. You know, having that guy overseeing the you know the the, the changes or you know, <laughs> or, or you know for, for the FISA court. I'm like, are, are you? Effing joking? Are you kidding me? I mean, just it's, it's, it's absolutely, absolutely insane. Um, but I do want to have, um, you know, a little bit of fun. We are in Bard's Logic After Dark. It's been kind of a, a serious night, and uh, we have, uh, I think we have a lot of serious nights coming our way in the next couple of weeks, you know, un, un, unfortunately. Uh, with, you know, with, of course, and how the Peach my hand over. I mean, the eventuality, but, you know, again, I mean, I, I see a lot of people on Twitter still pretty confident. I wish I was that confident with the Republicans. You know, it's it's one of the reasons why I left the party in 2012. But who, uh, who knows? We'll I guess we'll we'll see. But I tell you what, I, I seen this tweet, and I don't know if the Twitter got rid of it or not. But it was actually talking about, uh, you know, Trump tweet, you know, making a tweet saying, "Hey, take it to the streets." Basically, if if, if they're successful in trying to remove them, and I think Twitter might have actually took down that tweet. Uh, now Trump wasn't the one who posted it. Somebody else made a, a meme, I guess, about you know saying, "Hey, you know, if Trump you know told millions of people to take the streets, it would happen." And, and who knows? Maybe it would. And let, let's hope we don't get that far. But you know, we, you, I think Kelly, you talked earlier, you know, about if they just I think it was Kelly or, or, or maybe um, it was Mike, but you know, stated that you know. If it was just summarily dismissed, there'd be riots in the street, like you know there were with some of the those racial riots. But I think you know what? Maybe maybe I mean, as I said, I don't, I don't promote violence, but it seems like it is something that sticks into the heads of of people. I mean, look, I mean, look how long ago those riots were, and people still talk about them. So I wonder if you know we went and and, and I'm saying it's kind of tongue in cheek. I'm not saying actually that happened, but I, as a um, uh, an intellectual exercise. Uh, I wonder how. I mean, we know what it would be. We know what the mainstream media would be would say. I mean, we're a bunch of. We'd be a bunch of. Um, uh, what word am I looking for? You know, white fascists. You know, white supremacists uh, rioting against our Fuhrer, right? I mean, that's how the the Democrats and the liberal media, which is frankly at this point, you know, I call them the propaganda arm of the DNC. Uh, would say, oh my gosh, he's right. These are white supremacists, you know. They're fear, and I, that, that's how they insult it. But you know, I, I do wonder if you, if they just had massive. Remember the Tea Party? I mean, they had massive, uh, you know, protesting of that nature. But I mean, let, let's say we, uh, let's say the right actually rioted, like tons of people, just millions of people, in, you know, across the country, just you know, like tearing apart, <laughs> breaking windows and tearing stuff. Saying, "How dare you get rid of our president Trump?" You know, I mean, it just man, with the media, the way the media would do that. But I mean, if you just literally had millions of people crossing, it, I'm not promoting it, but it would be a, uh, an interesting exercise to just imagine, you know, how that would be taken, what impact it would have on people. Because you know what? Because the thing is, is Kelly, you make a point, or whoever made the point. I'm sorry for forgetting, but you made a good point. Is maybe those senators are scared that there's going to be rioting in the streets in the way that the 
you know, the media will, you know, will, will spin it. But the thing is, it's like, they, but the, that's why people do it. And then now people are scared. Oh my gosh, we got to act this certain way. The Republicans are scared. Oh my gosh, if we don't do, you know, the right thing, and I think just to dismiss it and be done with it. Because uh, again, I don't trust the Democrats and I don't trust some of the Republicans. You know, but maybe we should, again, maybe it would be an interesting exercise to see people taking it to the streets and say, look, we are tired. Hey, look, let's think. If Iranians could do it in Iran, you know what? Here's the thing. You know, maybe maybe the United States people are a bunch of wusses. Just think about it. There's people in China, China, protesting against their corrupt government. There are people in Iran protesting against their government. They literally, folks, they are literally risking their lives. The protest against their government. They really are. Maybe we need to do that. Really, I'm not saying, you know, get violent, but we really need, maybe it is time for Republicans and not even Republicans, for Trump supporters, because there's plenty of non Republicans who are Trump supporters to get out on the street and, you know, not do violence, but, you know, get out there and get rowdy a little bit. You know, maybe like have a bunch of signs and stuff and throw streamers in the air, whatever, you know, litter, who cares, you know? I mean, not that I'm a fan of litter, but anyway, but make a statement, make a huge statement. Like, look, millions of people are in the streets of America saying, we are not going to stand up for this corrupted government anymore. We're not going to do it. And you, seriously, you have people in Iran and China doing this, and you can't get you can't get people to do it. You you can't. I mean, you now you can get. I mean, liberals because they're probably you know the people out there you know they skip school or skip work or look frankly they're not working so they have time. But you know what? I would take a pe- I'll take a couple you know personal time off. Hell, I'd call in sick to do it if I had to. Even though that now we get in trouble if we call in sick. But anyway, that's a different story. But I'm, 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 you know, I think it needs time, especially if, if they are successful in this. I mean, really, we, 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 we need a, a massive, a massive response to that. Because as I said earlier, I truly think that if they're able to get through this, past this, then I'll tell you what, the deep state has won, and I don't – and the corruption has won, and I don't see how – I don't see any way we could come back from it. I don't see any way – and you guys know me long enough. I'm not an alarmist. I'm not. But I'm, I really think that we – you know, and I'm not trying to tell Steve. I think we could. I think we could come out of it. I think we could because we have the see what happened in Virginia, it's not it was low voter turnout. You get high people upset, like the Tea Party, okay? Tea Party emerged, Obama era, blah blah blah. Okay. And they're doing things and they've had an impact and an effect. Ron Paul came forward, brought forth a lot of people, made a lot of people, made a lot of connections. Um you know, if they impeach Trump, well, then who? Okay, then it's Pence. Well, that's going to be interesting. Um, and then, you know, both sides are going to rally. But if if the uh, 
everyday hardworking person, they get out and vote and they get their friends out to vote. I've met a lot of people in the last few years. I never voted in 30 years. I finally started voting about time. Um, I think we'll recover because of the structure of our government, but we could go through some very bad times. And by the way, if we have corrupt electronic election equipment or vulnerable, that is where we could lose our country because it doesn't matter how many people vote and rally and they flip the votes. Um, our, our system is so vulnerable. That's a kind of a topic I wanted to get to tonight as well. Um, I don't know if we have time to change the topic or yeah, there's some serious stuff going on in California. Yes, no, Robert. I'm trying to change. The um, I mean, if it, yeah, I mean, if we can, if we can, you know, relay it, you know, relate it to, you know, our, our topic for this evening. And then one thing I did want to, you know, who knows, maybe you can put it as part of what I like to talk about. Something that's kind of a fun is, you know, what should uh, Trump be focusing on in, in his 2020 State of the Union address? So go ahead, Kelly, and then I heard Suzette wants to chime in. So go ahead. Well, yeah. And I have been working on some things. We're trying to do a survey online with Watch the Vote, and people take the survey, check their voter registration status, and some are going to find out. We did this in 2016, Watch the Vote did, and we found people getting their registered. They were unregistered. Some of them were flipped to another political party. Some that were vote by mail got uh, flipped to precinct voters. Some precinct voters were vote by mail. Uh, people weren't getting their, their mail in ballots when they had. Oh, they were legitimately a uh, uh, mail-in ballot. They never got there. Even a county clerk here in Siskiyou County, she had many others, two precincts, they never got their mail-in ballot. What the hell's going on? And so here we are again. This uh, motor voter might be part of it, but the Sacramento King Bee, the Sacramento Bee, that's like the Chronicle and the LA Times, the Sacramento Bee came out with uh, on December 12th over um, – 600, yeah, 600 uh, voters had found out that they were flipped to other party affiliations. NPP seems to be the winner. That's no party preference. So then we keep hearing more stories. I got locals coming to me on this one. In 2016, it was a very rare occurrence, only one local that I knew. But now locals are coming, and they're like, how in the world did I become an NPP? Uh, Suzette's husband uh, maybe Suzette, you want to tell a story, then I'll tell you some more reports. Contra Costa County. Um, another report came out. Mark Mauser, who ran for Secretary of State, was unregistered when he checked. But Suzette, why don't you go ahead and tell your story? Well, uh, I think uh, Robert wants to stay on point with the president and, and uh, his um, state of the union. But um, the story, real quickly, is uh, my husband had not changed his vote. He's been registered Republican forever. And then all of a sudden we get a card, voter card registration thing in the mail saying that he is a no-party preference. And so we go to the county office there and we ask them what happened and they didn't know. So they said, we'll fix it. And supposedly she fixed it there in the computer after asking my husband a few questions. And she said, check your vote or check the registration thing in three weeks. So we checked it, and it hadn't changed, and then we received a voter registration in the mail. So we sent that out. Guess what came today? His voter registration card that said no party preference again. 
Yeah. So they're so not I would like to see the, the president. Oh, sorry. So I would like to see the president um, speak on that a little bit as far as people, um, you know, volunteering to, to um, watch the polls, to be alert, to uh, report any discrepancies. Um, just to give people a heads up, I would like to see, you know, something mentioned about that in the State of the Union. Sorry, Kelly, back to you. Yeah, well, <clears throat> watch the vote. We're trying to tell people, check your online register. Check your voter registration online, particularly if you're in California. Go to the Secretary of State's office, and you can do that. Um, and so here's another story. Uh, Mark Mauser, M-E-U-S-E-R. I'm not quite sure how you spell that. Mark Mauser Mark is a election law attorney in Southern California. In 2018, he ran for the Secretary of State's office, of course, being a Republican he got quite creamed by um, he got creamed by uh, Alex Padilla, the incumbent in a Democratic state. Well, surprise, surprise. Anyway, so he did a video um, how he he checked his voter registration status, and guess what? It was found out that he was unregistered. <laughs> it's like, and and he expressed it. You know, there, there's this potential. Uh, the blame is on the DMV motor voter system touchscreen. Whatever, that's what some of the county clerks are saying. But he said, when I went and renewed my driver's license, I checked every screen very carefully, and I did it right. I registered Republican on the screen, and I was unregistered to vote. So this is getting ridiculous. Um, this is it's out of control. Okay, so we go to uh, Contra Costa County. They did a report that there is some glitch that they don't know what happened and this is why the counties are sending out these letters these postcards basically and it's the first sentence you are registered as an npp no party preference now in california if you want to vote in the republican primary you have to be registered republican it's a closed primary in the republican party and if you're uh if you're a democrat candidate you can receive votes from other parties you just have to ask for a crossover ballot 2016 that was horrifyingly confusing a lot of people bernie sanders should have won california that's my personal opinion but people couldn't get the crossover ballot to vote for bernie um there was um let's see another story well um yeah one american news was it oan they came out and said in their report and this is real recent 250,000 californians have had their voter registration flipped their party affiliation etc cetera, etc cetera. It's like, why in the world are we even trusting this system? And we paid these people millions of dollars to, to write this voter registration software. Why can't they get it right the first time? I've talked with computer programming ex- experts in this specific programming field, and, in, and they're like, this is a joke. Why can't they get this right? This one, they're getting paid millions of dollars. Um, so they were, we were talking about Trump there. And Suzette, there was a – I'm trying to find the link here. There was uh, a pastor at uh, one of these uh, big churches in Southern Cal. He ended up meeting with Donald Trump, and he said, "Hey, why don't you come out to California? I mean, you know, you're you believe I believe in the underdog and the impossible. You know, the impossible can be obtained, and so do you. Why don't you come to California?" Trump replied, "This was in a meeting with Trump." Trump replied, "Oh, the election system is all corrupt in California. All corrupt. It's a waste of time." So Trump is aware, obviously. 
Trump is aware of this problem. And uh, so, and it's not just voter registration. I mean, a lot of people, 2016, we had a record number of provisional ballots uh, because some, all sorts of things got all messed up. And so, you know, if, if you, if you, one guy in our survey, the guy wrote comments. He, he said, I walked into the precinct where I normally vote, and they said, you're not registered to, to vote. And he said, well, then well, how did I get the sample ballot? With my name on it, and they're like, "What?" So it's just it's just gone crazy. Um, so, I mean, that's one way to get rid of Republicans is people show up at the election day. What? I'm not. Well, I want to register Republican. Well, finally, fix that so you can register that day. But could you imagine the potential if uh, you you walk into the precinct? <clears throat> say at, at uh, 7.30 because you worked late, what have you. Uh, you work 7.30 p.m., you walk in, <clears throat> and, uh, uh, I've, uh, okay, I'm here. What? You handed me an NPP ballot. I'm not – I'm, I'm a Republican. I've always been a Republican. Okay. Um, well, if you re-register, then you can go ahead. <clears throat> you can go ahead, and you can uh, vote Republican today. Okay, so you fill out the forms. There you go. Okay, now I want my Republican ballot. Oh, I'm sorry, it's it's quarter to eight, and we ran out of ballots several hours ago. Well, how'd this happen? What's going on here? Well, you know, if we we have 500, let's say we have 600 people in this precinct, and only a third of the people show up. That's about 200 ballots, and that's typical. So we ordered, you know, 250 ballots spread amongst the different parties, and uh, we ran out of Republican ballots about three hours ago. What? Yeah, we were expecting um, only 50 Republicans, and actually 100 Republicans showed up. We're out of ballots. This is a potential scenario when you flip the voter registration and enough ballots don't show up at the precinct. So, I mean, it's you know a nice little trick. Alex Padilla just happens to be – this is his last term as a secretary of state running the election. But, I mean, it, it, this is just a suspicion of what can happen on election day. And, you know, okay, some people might call me a conspiracy theory. Now, well, look, I have the right to be suspicious, okay? Because with suspicion comes investigation. Cops do this all the time, and you either confirm or deny facts. You ask around, whatever. I have the right to be suspicious. Okay, well, my suspicious potential here, seeing the problems in 2016, it's like, you know, the Republican Party could be really hurt bad. Of course, they're already hurting bad in California. Um, and just to let you know… Number one, two, and three registered voters in California. Number one, of course, would be Democrat. Number two is no party preference, a.k.a. declined to state. That's the second largest party in – it's an affiliation, actually. And then the, the third size is the Republicans. So it, it, you know, this is just all bizarre, mind-blowing. Am I living in a bad dream? Millions of dollars are spent. They can't get this right. And that's on the, you know, the registration. I don't have time to go in the – Vulnerabilities of the electronic vote counting system, and I'm not so much worried about the Russians as maybe the Iranian or the Chinese or the computer whiz kid in St. Louis, Missouri. This is how vulnerable I believe these systems are. Why aren't they getting fixed? Boy, anyway, back to you, Robert. I, anybody else want to make some comments? Well, actually, we got John though wanting to chime in, so let's go ahead and uh, get him in before we uh, we have to. We're at the bottom of the hour. Time's going quick. 
again, one, I think in one of those shows we could we could have done at least a fourth hour. But let's go ahead and bring in John. Uh, thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing fine. Thank you so much, Robert. And, um, you know, I'm in agreement in the suspicion category because who has motivation to screw up the technology and to request more money through the bureaucracies in order to continue to fund this stuff? Technology, industrial complex, just like the uh, military industrial complex and the medical pharmaceutical industrial complex. They always figure out a way to manipulate the system in addition to what uh, Kelly was saying because they want to make sure that they're able to maintain control, direct control and exclusive control. They don't want to share. And, you know, it's just like the Constitution. It's your interpretation when you read it. But when you're reading it and somebody else is listening, you're wrong because it's their interpretation that actually matters. So that divide and conquer strategy is always going to be there until we wake up and realize the only way forward is by mutual assent. If we don't want to play together like the one gentleman said earlier, hey, if you're not going to allow me to live my life, then why should I allow you to live yours? It's coming down. That's what it's all about. And as long as the people that are in positions of control and want to continue to, uh, you know, have these discussions about who's smarter and who's more intelligent than anybody else, the ignorant, weakest link people are going to be the ones that's so fed up because they cannot argue their case with the intellectuals that they're going to do drastic, crazy stuff that will damage the whole system and bring it all down. So we either respect the weakest link and take care of these people in the sense of allowing them to rightly decide their own independence, freedom, and justice for all in the context at which they interpret the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. Otherwise, you're saying that the system that we have is just and that it's okay to marginalize and disfranchise certain groups of people as long as you don't agree with them. And that's where the divide and conquer thing is. So the technology industrial complex, the military industrial complex, the legal trial lawyer industrial complex, the uh, pharmaceutical health care, medical care industrial complex, they all got their hands in it, and all these different factions are fighting to be king of the hill. And that's where we're at until we learn how to figure out. And I don't know the answer other than this fact that I keep saying, let's work by mutual assent, create a bill that everybody can get behind to say each individual legal, legitimate, you know, legal United States American citizen has line item veto power. Because then nobody, no matter who it is, if every position in the government, whether it be local, county, you know, state or federal, was housed by mousy tongue or any other dictator, if they, if you and everybody else had you know that line item veto power they could never use the government as a weapon to run roughshod over your right to determine your burdens and encumbrances of governing and you couldn't overrun them either because they would have that same privilege John, John I, I, I understand them in, 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 in part I agree but I mean I, I just how, how can we how, how would that happen let's say everyone had line item veto power in, in America how would that work well, anytime bills come to the floor and you want to, you know, say, no, this particular item will not work for me, 
you know, because it's impinging or infringing and abridging my right to my pursuit of happiness and giving you guys a high-speed fast lane and, you know, giving me all these hurdles, stonewalling me and, you know, these multiple hoops i got to jump through. So, no, an item veto, you just get to strike as many lines out or as few that you want. And that way nobody can use the power of the government to run roughshod over other people. How would anything get done if that happened? Let, let's say let's say that well, is the reality. I'm, I'm let's say let's say let's say let's say everyone can do that. How would anything right? get accomplished in the country? Well, th- that's why you got limited government. Because Robert, when you say it's okay, then you know, um, still we no, get but, no, but on, on a practical on, on a practical level. Because I mean, I there's, there's no way. I mean. I mean, on a, no, on a practical level, the not, absolutely nothing is going to get done. No, no bills, no, no bills to have any budgets, no bills to have any laws, no bills to get anything changed. Because there's no way you're not going to have any laws that at least one person isn't going to have a problem with. So Robert, ab- doesn't that mean that you're condoning the harming of other it, people because no, well, you don't well, stand well, up for I, everybody's I, I, right to not no, be harmed? No. J- no, no, I'm not. What I'm saying is, we if you want to change things, it's got to be something that's that's practical. I mean, well, what you're no stop, stop, stop. What I'm what I'm saying is that what I'm saying is it's not practical. There's no way that anything could get done. I'm not condoning anything. What I'm what I'm pointing out, what I'm pointing out, John, is that nothing will ever get done. What what you if with the power you yes, with the power with the, Joe, I, I'm not please don't come on quit interrupting me. What I'm saying is that nothing would we would be at a standstill. The government would be at a standstill. It would be shut down. Nothing would get done if what you're suggesting was reality. Nothing nothing would get done. It would be it'd be at a standstill. How would, that, how would it not be at a standstill? Tell I me how it would prove, not be at a standstill. I can prove that if everybody had the legal right to line item veto power, most everybody, uh, I don't know anybody myself that would say it's okay for you to steal or me to steal or anybody to steal from each other. And right now, intellect, the property that's being stolen is your right to self-determine the burdens of governance because your governing of you and my governing of me is our individual property. And and so, therefore, once we reconcile that and say everybody has line-item veto before everybody feels empowered to self-determine their own um, pursuit of happiness and a lot of things would not get done, that you may want, like Spaceballs Force, you know, would no, not be nothing, done. John. No, my point, John. My point is that nothing would get done. What? No, you what can't would prove possibly that get any done? More than I can prove my point. What? You, okay. But you, you tell me. Well, you, you, you tell me what would get done. But Robert, your theory, and and I understand why you're saying this practical, but the, the position of in our head, everything starts from an imagination of idea. I believe we can. You believe we can't. Okay, there's a difference of opinion. Then tell me how we but can do it. We'll get done, but it, just, I told just you because how... you say that it won't doesn't mean it won't. 
then, then tell me because how you know uh, as John, well as John, I do, you don't like people forcing you to do anything against your will. So if you have line item veto power, you would go in and line item veto that out, and they wouldn't be able to force that upon you. Otherwise, you're condoning the bullying of each well, other, well, and if we condone bullying, you're going to just escalate the violence. But my, my, my and we will, and we will, Kelly. But for, I'm going to I'm going to pose this question, then get bring it over to Kelly, so Kelly can speak, and then that gives you an opportunity to think of an example. But I want I want you to think of an example of something that could actually something concrete. Make up a bill that could be passed. Make up a budget that could be passed. Make up what, what whatever scenario, not not something that's you know. Ambiguous, an actual example, not something that's nebulous, you know, something that's actual, you know, a bill, uh, something getting passed or, or, you know, through, through to, to become a law, something that's going to become a law, okay, that 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 everyone, you know, in the entire nation with this veto power is is going to be to be able to do it, be able to say yes, no one, absolutely no one is going to have a disagreement on it. Think of an exact, a specific example for that, and Kelly, what, what were you going to say? Well, I want to, um, <clears throat> you know, being a civil engineer, I happen to notice the roads. I work for the Department of Transportation at a co-op in college, and the roads take a lot of maintenance. But one of the great successes of this country, there's several reasons, but having roads, um, our transportation is just was phenomenal. You look at Chile and Argentina, they can't get their crops to the market, to the railroads, because the roads are so crappy. And so what does that take? That takes public monies, and typically it's a bond measure so the voters vote. Well, you're only going to – who knows? Some of them pass, some of them don't, but 50%, 51% plus, and there you got your bond, and then you do your public improvements. If um, we had the right of – as you're talking about, John, the person could vote no, then say he would not have to pay the taxes on it. That would be fine. Well, pretty soon a whole bunch of people are not going to be paying tax. The next thing you know, we don't have a military. Next thing you know, China's like, hey, America's looking pretty prosperous. Why don't we just go ahead? I mean, they don't have a military. They, don't, they can't fund their military. And so they're on our shores, and all of a sudden, every 100% of people want to pay, but it's too late. So, man, other countries want our goodies, man. Without a military, we're toast. And so, you know, roads, military, uh, 51%. Seems to be working pretty well, even though, yeah, taxes have been abused where public monies are going for the benefit of corporations, you know, certain laws. Now you have to have fire – you have to have solar panels on your roof when you, when you build a new house in California. And so who's – who's? oh, we're saving the environment. That's baloney. It's a bunch of people that are going to be making an enormous amount of profit installing solar panels and probably giving to the Democrat Party of California so the Democrats can stay in power. It's not the environment. It's power. And so, yes, there's abuses. I see the abuses in the building code. I see, you know, Bastiat predicted the 1850s. The state is that great fictitious entity by which everyone seeks to live at the expense of everyone else. He was complaining how corporations back then were doing and robbing the people. So, yeah, there is a problem. But without some standard basic, you know, what about water treatment systems? That has caused you know, our, our city pipelines and, and technologies have brought about incredible sanitation, as in sanitary sewers, getting rid of the icky stuff, clean water, 
That has brought life expectancy way to the roof compared to other generations. Um, again, but we'll go back to public bond, public bonds plus your water bill and your sewer bill when you live in the city. So, you know, it's all a fascinating – what is the balance here? Well, I don't think we can get away with – well, I vote no, therefore I'm not going to pay the tax. I mean it would be kind of nice to do that, but I don't know if it's ever going to happen. So I, I guess I want to yield back and see if you have a specific yeah, Roger, uh, Roberts, how are you going to make it happen? Yeah, and then, yeah, so go ahead, John, and then we'll have to take closing comments. Each person gets a couple of minutes. But first, yeah, I mean, I mean, John, I mean, I mean, I'm not against you. I mean, I, if we, I'm about solutions. And if what you would want to see happen, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but what I'm saying is that if, if what you want to, to see happen, if there's a way it can be done, a, a practical way, an actual realistic reality way that it can be done, hey, well, let's work towards it. I mean, it's something that can actually happen. I don't think a, a, a line I just like I used to be, you know, I used to be for, you know, a direct democracy, whereas everyone, you know, everyone's votes and get rid of all these representatives. But unfortunately, in a nation as large as we are, it's untenable. It, it just as much as I'd like to see that, you know, I don't think you know. I, I don't think you know. I don't think it you know it can happen, and I don't think enough people are are in, are informed enough, you know, on everything that would need to be passed in order for that. So it's, it's just not feasible. So I mean, what's the next best thing, you know, and, and that's re- that's reasonable. So that being said, and then you know, and then I have to do closing thoughts for everybody for a couple minutes. But I mean, did you have a, like an actual concrete like? What do you think that if everyone had what? – what is the one thing that everyone can agree on that you can actually write into law that's not nebulous, not like everyone's got to respect each other? I mean, I mean people can say I agree to that because you know, I, I, I think that, you know, that guy or gal has my respect because I'm more educated than they are. So I mean what would be an, an exact uh, you know, law that, 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 can, that can pass the mustard if everyone had that, you know, that can, if everyone had line-righted veto? Well, I can't read your mind to be able to give you exactly what you're asking for because your practical is seems unattainable from your standpoint. And so my practical rings hollow to you when I say it because you can't – when you pass – to me, if we just pass a simple law, that you cannot pass a law and burden somebody against their will. Otherwise, you're in violation of freedom of contract, freedom of association, you know, the right to pursue the happiness, and you're playing favorites, which is basically against the Constitution's already, you know, written text, no title of nobility, Article 4, Section 2, you know, citizens of each state are entitled to the same privileges and immunities as citizens of the several states, so basically just, hey, you can't use the government as a weapon to burden and encumber your fellow man. I think everybody would agree with that. But you say that's not practical. Well, what's going on right now is not practical, and it's just coming to a head because the but, ignorance of people but, is okay, changing. Well, we, and, 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 John, well, we, and unfortunately, we don't. You got to start. You got to chime in earlier because chiming in a half hour does not give us enough time to to, to, to pan this out if if we ever will. But I mean, I would you know just I I, I was hoping for something you know a, a specific law you know that that could be like okay a bill a certain bill to be passed like you know. 
spend like you like to bring up the space program. Like for instance, I mean, space program and uh, Kelly brought up the military. We would never have a military because not everyone would agree that we should fund the military. So we're not going to have a military. That ain't going to happen. Uh, you know, you'll never. You know, just nothing could ever get passed because there's always going to be at least one person that's going to disagree with whatever that law, that that law is. You know, oh, oh you know what? I, I want to be able to cross the street. I want to. But anyway, I got to do closing comments uh, because we're we're running out of time, unfortunately. So uh, we'll, we'll give it to you first, John. You got a you know a, a couple well, about a minute and a half now, everybody, uh, for closing comments. So, so go ahead. So we'll go yourself, and then uh, we'll go to uh, Mike, and then Kelly, and then uh, Suzette, and then I'll close things out. Uh, but we literally only have about uh, you know eight minutes, so everybody's got about two. Uh, so go ahead, John, and then we'll have to bring it around. Yeah, the taxation issue is nothing but a, a psychological scam manipulated in 1913 in order to be able to keep tabs of what you have and what you earn because they don't care about it. They're just using it as a manipulation tool to trick you because they print the money they want and they manipulate the system to get everything into their control in their hands anyway. They just want to be able to watch you and see what you got your money invested in and what you can do with what you, your resources are so they can monitor, track, surveil, control, and manipulate you. So that's all IRS tax scam manipulation. But anyway, for now, I would have to just dial in on one of your shows early, right in the first 15 minutes of your show, and then see if you want to really have a serious conversation about this, because it always ends up this way. But for now, thank you so very much, and I do appreciate what you're doing, and your questions are valid, so don't think I'm trying to rant on you. It's just, to me, there's a mental block that's holding people back from realizing their true potential and property that they own outright. Back to you. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, again, one of the days was not just so much going on, but there always is. But anyway, let's go ahead and bring it over to uh, Team Mike. Go ahead. Just want to thank you for having me on tonight again and uh, enjoyed myself. I think it's the second time I've been on and, and great being here. Great show. Very interesting. And thanks for providing the platform. Keep up the good job. Um, you're welcome. And uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll have something. We'll be talking more about impeachment, I'm sure, next week. We'll have a, a, a lot to discuss. And that's, that's, that's going to be probably the main topic again, probably yeah. for maybe a couple of weeks. We'll see how, how, how long this, this thing takes. Uh, no, it's really appreciated. Go ahead, uh, go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, sorry, I was on, I was on mute. Um, yeah, so impeachment's going to be well, the trial. We're at the trial stage now. That's going to be fascinating. We'll see what happens. Um, maybe the Democrats will get exposed. Maybe the Senate will turn the trial on the Democrats. I don't know, but it's going to be interesting. And so Virginia, big rally. On the 20th, I believe that's Monday, at the that should probably make national news. And uh, let's see what else. Uh, check your voter registration. And uh, yeah, I, I just anyway. Um, I guess till next week, and uh, hopefully I can bring. Hopefully Robert will talk more about it off air, but I want to bring the the Muka or the new how do you pronounce his name. Paul Danuka on the show next week. We'll see. We'll see. Cross our fingers. Help him get elected. And that would be great because then we have a third party candidate 
very potentially in the assembly. We'll start breaking the duopoly. So back to you. Well, and, and that's something. I mean, I like to say, as you guys know, I mean, I've always supported third parties. They, they kind of uh, upset me in the um, in the election of Matt Bevan. You know, the re-election of Matt Bevan. I, I, the I think the well, the, the libertarian. Uh, I think he probably cost uh, cost him the the election, frankly. Uh, and so I'm like, ugh. And I, I think, I mean, because people say, well, who's after Trump? You know, let's say Trump gets reelected. Who's after Trump? I thought Matt Bevin might have been a, a good pick for that. I mean, now that's probably not going to happen. So, I mean, let's say Trump gets reelected. I mean, who, who's going to be after him? It, it, won't, it won't be the kids. It just won't be because I think the American people are done with – I think they're done with political dynasties. The after seeing the Clintons and the Bushes. Uh, they're done. I, they're, they're, you're not going to see that. I don't. I don't think you're going to see the Trumps. I just don't think people have the stomach for it. I mean, maybe. Uh, I just don't see it. But anyway, go ahead, Suzette. I just wanted to say thank you for your call, and I'm passing the time back to you. Okay. Well, I got a few minutes, uh, you know, to you know, get on my soapbox, uh, you know, so to speak. Is that and, and uh, you know, won't be long with it. But but I you know I hope the uh, the people I'm seeing you know right you still have confidence that you know this thing just you know yeah they're gonna have their trial and and everything's gonna come through. You know I'm hoping the Republicans prove me wrong. Uh, I do think that we need to you know call you know call folks let them know hey you know we are paying attention we're not going to forget. I think uh, the senators that. You know, aren't up for re-election for quite some time. Might feel more safe when it comes to you know whether they're going to decide to to turn on Trump. And they need to remember this: they're not just turning on Trump. There's Republicans who hate him just as much as the Democrats do. But what they need to realize, and I think politicians in their ivory towers forget, is that they're not just turning on Trump. They need to realize. They're turning on the American people as well, especially the 63 million that voted for them. Also, is that, you know, again, I mentioned the Ivory Towers and how they forget. It's also incumbent on us, the Trump supporters, the America supporters, that we no longer, and let's be honest, a lot, a lot of people have. I'm not really seeing anybody here on the show because I know there's people here who are not only talking the show, they're also active and you know politically and, and, and get involved in things. But it is incumbent on us, the Amer- you know, the American people to really get off our asses. And what I mean by that is if we have to take to the streets, then we're gonna have to take to the streets. I'm not again. I'm not saying violently, but we we need to be in mass to show these people. Look, we we are out here and and we are watching, and we can't let this corruption stand. And if they let this go, I mean, it, that that's where we're going to be at. And it, it's good, and it's, it'll be our fault. It really does. I mean, I mean, we outnumber them. I mean, come on, we're millions, hundreds of millions of people. They're only you know folks in government, and let's tell. I mean, the military would be on our side. So I'm not worried about any, you know, anything like that. But remember, you have people in China and in Iran protesting against their government, 
with the possibility at the cost of their life or freedom. So are we going to sit here and let our government stay with this corruption and allow this stuff to happen? Let's hope not. But if it does, yeah, we can blame the people who are in there corrupt. But we got to do stuff about that too. And one thing I appreciate folks doing is, of course, you can get the link for tonight's show. Uh, share it out to people on, on your Twitter. Uh, share it out to you know, people on your other social media. It would be great for them to uh, chime into the show, we'll listen to our show, and also you know, share our sentiments, right? Uh, because I do think that you know, these are important times. I mean, historic times. And, and again, I, I refer to it being like, oh, this is the most important election of our lifetime. I think this could very well be one of the most important historical moments in U.S. history. I really think, and I'm not trying to be over dramatic because that's not, that's not who I am. But I'm telling you, I think this impeachment could very well be that because I, I know I've said it before, but not everyone listens to the whole show, whether it's live or whatever. So, depends if they're jumping through. I truly, I mean, people say, "Oh, we're scared about losing the republic." If Trump, if they are successful in removing Trump from office, I know we got our systems, as you, as you stated, Kelly. But my – and now you know I don't use this word lightly. My faith in the system, okay, because I don't have faith in much, but my faith in the system would be more gone than it already is. But anyway, I do see the time, and I do have to close things out. And uh, even though she's uh, doing art now and not music, I will still end this uh, night with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. Uh, that you've uh, heard there, but you know, also you could check her out on Facebook, and uh, you know, I'm, I believe she's got a website for her art now. So yeah, check it out. Um, uh, one of these days, I will be able to afford one of her paintings. <laughs> so anyway, thanks again, folks. We'll see you next week. Uh, take care. We'll see you then, and good night. Good night. <laughs>